Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Batter Round, but not with Stan Charles. You're here with Paul Valley and my co-host, Vasilios Nicolau. Don't worry. If you want your Stan Charles fix, he will be on the line at 1020 joining us today. And Vasilios, good to see you, man. Welcome to the show. Good to see you, man. It took me a while to find the joint, but hey, I'm here and I am ready to talk some O's. Yeah, he's not lying, guys. He got here literally at 9.56. We got him in, got a mic check, and then started the show. So, uh, But no worries. It happened to me. It happens to the best of me. It's a difficult building to find your way into, but we're glad to have you here. Glad to have you co-hosting the show with me. And we got quite a show to talk about here. Um, the Orioles and the Nationals did not fare so well. Uh, in their season openers. The Nationals, of course, on Thursday, they opened that, se- that their season against the Yankees in D.C. as defending world champions with the gold lettering across the chest. And they lost that game, what was it, 5-1, to 6-1? to one? Um, Max Scherzer, it was 5-1. to one. Max Scherzer, I thought it was 4-1. to 4-1, to one. you're right, I'm sorry. Garrett Cole went five innings with five strikeouts yep. and allowed one hit and one run, which was that Adam Eaton home run. That's why I had 5-1 to one in my mind. It was 4-1. to one. Scherzer, he went five innings. Technically, Scherzer and Cole got credited with complete games uh, because they pitched five innings. The game ended in a rainout after five innings, which is an official game in Major League Baseball. Scherzer, an odd stat line to say the least. He gave up six hits, four runs, a monster 459-foot home run to Giancarlo Stanton, which is the longest home run that, that Scherzer has ever given up. In his career, it was an absolute bomb, and nobody was there to see it. Nobody was there to see it. Matt Vaskerson joked on the on the uh, show. He's like, if somebody had been here, it would have been the guy who paid the least amount for his tickets <laughs> that would have gotten that home run ball. That's how far he hit it. But so he gives up that long home run in the first inning, four runs allowed on six hits, but eleven strikeouts in five innings yeah. for Scherzer. So he's still a monster. But so Giancarlo Stanton, this guy hit fifty nine home runs a few years ago. Let's not forget that this dude's a prolific power hitter. And then we move on to our beloved Baltimore Orioles. I'm rocking the Trey Mancini fight shirt right now. You've got all your Orioles gear on right now. So it's clear to see which side of the fence we fall on here. We're not biased at all. We're not biased at all. You know, we're gonna, you know what? We are going to give the Nationals their fair time. Absolutely. You know, we don't have to be fans of the team to talk about the team unbiased, right? And the Orioles, they went out last night and they laid a big fat egg. Losing that game 13-2. to And there were a ton of fans on Twitter, and they were sitting there, and they're talking about how, well, this is what I expected from the team. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You didn't expect 10 nothing after the fourth inning. You didn't expect 13-2. to We were just talking if it was 7-4. to If it was 7-4, to if it was, you know, 5-2, to yeah, you expect that. 13-2, to seven walks. I mean, hey, they didn't allow a home run. Right? Something that they allowed over 300 last year. Exactly. They didn't allow a home run. They did allow seven walks uh, and that, 17 hits. That, Paul, is what I call progress. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That's what I tweeted out last night. It's absolute progress for a team that allowed over 300 home runs last <laughs> year. Um, and you look at that team between Kevin Pillar, J.D. Martinez, Jose Peraza, and Jackie Bradley Jr., those four guys alone combined for 13 hits and 10 RBIs. Each of them had at least three hits in that game. Just an absolute debacle of a season opener. It's so funny, man, because we get so excited 
for Orioles baseball the last few years, and then the opening day happens, and it's a sobering day. I remember feeling the exact same way yeah. last year, but they won the, the next two games against New York. So yeah, and it's it's funny because like as soon as I saw Austin Hayes go deep a little bit, and then just on the warning track, his his home run was taken away. I knew it was just going to be a crap day for, <laughs> for the well, O's, man. I even said I was I – was and a shout-out. Shout-out to Bree Brown, who hosted an epic opening day shindig at I her house. saw the pictures of that. At, dude, it was awesome. She had all sorts of uh, baseball food. She had, she had orange and black charcuterie board. When I say orange and black, I mean the food was yeah. orange and black. She had goat cheese that was coated in blueberries. It was – it was, and she even had she had a hand sanitizing station. We practiced social distancing like the best of them last night. Where I was sitting, it was me and my fiance on one couch, and our friend Asian Megan, as you know her on Twitter, Megan oh, yeah. and her boyfriend Scott on the other side of the couch, more than six feet apart. Everybody had individual tongs for their food uh, at, at this party, and there was a, a, a hand sanitizing station, and she had one of those. Uh, red circles with the line through the middle, and on on the sign it said it had the lyrics to uh, "Sweet Caroline, hands touching hands, reaching <laughs> out, touching me, touching you" with a red line through it That's to great. practice social distancing because they're playing the Red Sox. It was a beautiful party. Shout out to Bree Brown for putting it all together. She cooked every bit of that food in that wow. house, and there was a ton of it. It was awesome. I think the favorite, my favorite thing that I saw was the placement of the ketchup, mustard, and relish. And she she set it up so it looked like the the hot dog race at Oriole Park. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And much to my chagrin, she had uh, she had the um, she had mustard winning, relish coming in a distant third, ketchup right. second. I would I I'm a ketchup guy Me myself. Too. Although yeah. I do like mustard on my hot dogs and burgers, so I get it. Um, so anyway, moving on, we're going to have on the show today, as I said before, the founder of this show who was gracious enough to hand the reins over to me, Stan the Fan Charles, will be on with us at 10.20 today. Then at 10.45, we're going to have Matt Pine. And Matt Pine is a co-host of Nate Hit the Foul Pole podcast. He's a writer for Utah Street Report. And he was actually originally supposed to be my co-host on this show uh, to your benefit of Vasilios. Uh, Matt can't make it into the studio. He has a family member who's at who's at high risk yeah. uh, for the virus. So I understand why he's not able to be here. Lucky enough, I have a guy like Vasilios to fill in. So we're going to talk to Matt a little bit about that, about some fantasy baseball, and just about some uh, Orioles baseball in general. And you, you still want to talk crap about your about fantasy baseball? Because we're in the same no, league. No, no. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that, man. I... I, I I had foot and mouth disease yesterday. I was talking all this trash because for a split second I was in first place. Now I'm in 13th. And guess who's in first? Is it you? This guy. Yeah, this guy. <laughs> my, my, my team combined to go five for 40 last night with Oof. a 239 on base percentage. It was bad. And yeah. Charlie Morton was my only pitcher, and he gave up six runs in yeah. four innings. So it was not good. Yeah. But it's my first, my first real foray in the fantasy baseball. I did it one other time. I had no idea what I was doing. So... We'll see how it goes. Only one day into the season. Uh, then at So that's going to be Matt Pine doing us at 1045. At 1105, we are going to have uh, Craig Heist. He's been on the show a number of times. He used to co-host with Stan pretty frequently. And he's going to be on at 1105 to talk some Nationals baseball with us. And then a friend of mine, a friend of the show, a friend of just about everybody 
in Baltimore sports. Eric Arditi is going to be on the show at 11.35. And there's a bit of Eric writes for Barstool, and there's some scandal around Barstool. We're going, to have, we're going to give Eric a chance to talk about that because it's unfortunate that the mistakes of a few have such a huge impact on the rest of their people because there's a lot of guys that I know and like that write for that website that would never be part of what that scandal was. We'll get into that 1135 with Eric Ardini, but more importantly, we're going to talk to him a little bit about Mo Gabba and what he's done for Mo Gabba. Um, he's taken, Mo's taken a bit of a turn for the worse. Orioles super fan. Uh, just graduated eighth grade, and you know, Eric is an absolute saint of a man to do the things that he's done. He, along with Jeremy Khan, who I plan to get on the show at some point, um, not today, but at some point, uh, what Eric and Jeremy have done for Mo Gabba is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, goes far and above the the call of duty, and they're 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 special men, and that's really. That's really why we want to talk to Eric. You know, the, the, the Barstool scandal aside, I, we wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't ask him about the Barstool scandal. But that's not why he's coming on the show. Yeah. He's coming on the show to talk about Mo Gabba. He's coming on the show to talk about Trey Mancini, who's a close friend of Eric's. And he's coming on the show to talk about Orioles baseball. So we'll ask him a couple of questions about Barstool, but that's, that's not the real reason that he's going to be here. And then we're going to close the show with a new segment on the Bat Around called Take to Rake. If you listen and you stick around to the close of the show, you'll see what Take to Rake is. You can probably put it together, but I'm not going to tell you what it is right now. But we just came up with the segment last night, and we're going to, we're going to do it at the end of the show. It's going to be great. So, all right, man. So, Orioles baseball, you know. Yes. We're, we're Orioles fans uh, before we're Nationals fans, all right? And we're not going to try and alienate the Nationals fan base, but we're, we're going to talk about the Orioles first here, mm-hmm. okay? What are you excited about for this season? Because we just saw this 13-2 to shellacking last night that just completely any kind of enthusiasm that you have for a season is kind of flushed right down the toilet when you lose on opening day 13-2. to what are you expecting from this team? Is 13-2 to an anomaly to you? Is that kind of what you expect and kind of the norm for the season as you see moving forward? I mean, it was more of an anomaly to me last night when it, when it started happening just because I didn't think that they were – because the fundamentals looked off to me. They, they didn't look like they were, they were keeping it tight. They didn't look like they were – what's the word? Just – Playing fun, clean fundamental baseball, it just it looked off to me. But I feel like there's nowhere for them to go but up. I really do think last night was rock bottom. I don't think we're gonna have to wait for a game for them to give up 20 runs to oh. really say that's rock bottom. Rock bottom on opening day. Yeah. Rock nice. bottom on opening day. Okay, 13 to two is pretty bad. Pretty bad. We'll see. The, 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 it's, it's even though it's only 60 games, it's still a lot a lot of season left. But oh, I know. rock bottom on opening day. Okay, I, that, I'm, that's I'm, a take. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm making that take. And I mean, I think I think the one player that stood that I, I really stood out to me last night. I thought the play of Jose Iglesias was. Pretty spot on. I mean, the, he he seems like a very solid pickup for the Orioles so far, and um, I you know how I feel about Renato Nunez. I love Renato Nunez, and uh, Rio Ruiz went yard last night, so that was that was a nice little pick me up uh, towards the end of the game. But I mean, it's it's tough to to find a diamond in the rough right now, and we just got to keep looking for it. 
We waited this long for, for baseball. We can wait a little bit longer for good baseball. Yeah. Rio Ruiz, you, you mentioned him. I, I have a lot of high hopes for Rio Ruiz. Now, and for his hair. And for his hair. It, <laughs> it, his hair is fantastic. It is absolutely fantastic. I love it. Go out there, express yourself, man. I think that's cool. Just like Hunter Harvey with that with that awesome mullet that he's rocking. I wouldn't rock it. I couldn't pull it off, man. I'm a I'm a hat guy, as you all can see. Yep. Um, but Rio Ruiz, one, he holds a special place in my heart because, as most people who know me know, uh, I asked my fiance Laura Tragaser, large at Laura Trags on Twitter. I asked her to marry me at Camden Yards last year, and no. I didn't do it in the stands on the scoreboard. We rent my I my family and I rented a skybox. Her family was there, my family was there. There was champagne, there was food. It was an elegant setting for me to ask the woman of my dreams to marry me and spend the rest of my life with me. And the icing on the cake was the Orioles beat the Houston Astros on a walk-off home run by Rio Ruiz. I remember was, that game. It was the Orioles' only walk-off win of the year, which is why you see it in so many highlight packages. Because <laughs> it was their only walk-off win of the year. Um, unfortunately, our first son's name is reserved for Paul Anthony Valley the fourth. So we're gonna name our dog Rio Ruiz Valley. And I love it. you know, Rio is a great name for a dog. It's a great name for a man. You know, I, I don't want to insult anybody. It's a great <laughs> name for a man. But you know, I think that. Would, that dog's going to get so much love, man. He's going to be named after Rio Ruiz. But anyway, that's besides the point. Rio Ruiz has a special place in my heart. and I, He looks like a ball player. He was a fourth-round pick by the Astros who gave him second-round money because they believed in his talent. One of those overslot picks of Mike Elias. And he showed he, he had a slugging percentage in the second half of the season last year near 600. Uh, that's a guy who's got some pop. He's going to shore up the defense on the, on the left side of the infield at third base playing next to... Jose Iglesias, who might be the best fielding uh, shortstop in the league. And I just, Rio Ruiz to me just looks like a ball player. He passes the eye test for me, and I'm excited to see what he can do in these 60 games, getting a chance to play every day, because he's going to be your everyday third baseman. Yeah, and another guy that I I wanted to point out, Hanser Alberto. Love that guy. He came up last night, and he just, he he drilled a, a single to right, and it was a double. It was double. Sorry, excuse me. And I, I looked at my fantasy baseball team, and I was like, "Hey!" And then I sent that uh, the laser eyes meme with Hanser Alberto to our to our Twitter group chat, which is is great. But he he is just a machine. Like he he got hit by pitch last night towards the end of the game. I believe it was in the bottom of the ninth or mm. the top of the ninth. Oh, you know what? Hanser Alberto did have a single. I thought you were talking about Jose Iglesias no, no, for no. some reason. You were right. My apologies. Continue. I, I apologize. It's all good, buddy. No, um, but he that's another guy that I'm very excited to watch because he every time you go up to he goes up to the plate, even though this Orioles team leaves a lot to be desired, you know that he's gonna give everything that he has and he's gonna fight off every pitch until he finds one he likes. And not to mention, the man kills lefty pitchers. And absolutely. So, uh, he's he's another guy I'm very excited for. His, his his defense his defense can can be a little bit spotty at times, but uh, but he his bat, the contact and the ability to find open space and soft spots in the outfield and maybe sometimes the infield, uh, he he could be a piece that the Orioles keep around for a long time, especially during this rebuild. And 
uh, he's a guy that I'm very excited to keep on watching. Well, yeah, and I think his defense is a little bit better than people give him credit for. Oh, yeah. He's not going to make a spectacular play. That's not that's not his game. But he's going to catch every ground ball that get that gets hit to him. You know, every ball that he can get to, he's going to get to, he's going to make a play on. Now, that's not to say he's not going to make an error, but his defense isn't as suspect as some people say. You know, J.J. Hardy, and look, he's no J.J. Hardy. No. But J.J. Hardy didn't make that spectacular play, right? You never saw the diving plays or the leaping throws on a ground ball in the hole between short and third. But what you did see was a guy who consistently caught the baseball, made the throws, and that's why Hardy won a couple of gold gloves in Baltimore. And I'm not saying that Hansi Roberto is going to win a gold glove, but that's a guy who is going to play solid defense, and if he hits over 300, that's all I really care about. I'd like him to be a little bit more selective, but he doesn't strike out a ton. So he's not going to walk a ton either. He's up there to get his hits, right? Yeah, and <laughs> I, I tweeted this out last night, and we that's one th- one thing we haven't talked about right so far is the Orioles pitching, and Tommy Malone got the start number sixty nine. Nice, he <laughs> <laughs> nice. He got the start last night. His first ever opening day start, and he went two scoreless innings. It was looking really really nice for the Birds up until the third inning and at after after the third inning it just feels like a fever dream and i know i know i tweeted that out last night and uh i mean what i want i want to ask you like where where does the orioles pitching go from here because we saw cody carroll get knocked around mm-hmm. i mean david hess came in at one point i don't even that was just forgettable to for for me anyway but I just I'm so lost. I mean, this this pitching we thought there was going to be we knew it was going to be bad. We didn't, right, but I didn't think it was going to be that bad. Okay, well here's what you got to think. Tommy Malone wasn't supposed to start yesterday. Right. Yeah. You know, um, it was supposed to be John Means. He has a little bit of a dead arm right now, but they expect him to be back by the end of next week. Uh, did he have gr- Did Malone have a great showing? Absolutely not. Cody Carroll. Cody Carroll's got great stuff. And yeah. He was a great. He was a good pitch in the Yankees minor league system. Came over and I believe in that that Zach Britton trade, mm-hmm. and he um, he left a lot to be desired last night. He faced four batters, walked three, and gave up a base hit. Mm-hmm. And then they brought in Travis Lake uh, Tra- Travis Lakins, and he didn't do much better. He kind of stopped the bleeding a little bit after that inning was over. But I mean that was a, that was a six run inning, and then David has. David Hess is a nice guy. He's a nice guy. He had some success a couple of years ago in his first stint with the Orioles. Pitched really well down the stretch for him in, in a 118 loss season. Um, he is what he is. Yep. He's a guy who gave up 28 home runs in 80 innings pitched last year. He he is what he is, right? Uh, didn't give up any home runs last night, but a couple of bombs off that green monster. Uh, he, he He did mop up duty last night and you didn't see Tanner Scott you didn't see Michael Givens you didn't see Richard Blyer or Paul Fry or Sean Armstrong or Miguel Miguel Castro and it was Hyde letting these guys get their work in um look the pitching's not going to be great the Orioles bullpen had a 579 ERA last year worst in all of baseball Asher Wojciechowski is the only guy is the guy remaining now that Dylan Bundy's not here led the team with a 489 ERA Mm -hmm. as a starting pitcher Alex Cobb is healthy. He goes today. We'll see if he's. We'll see how he does. Um, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I feel good about his his split and his changeup looked really good in his final tune up in that exhibition game the other day. 
We'll, we'll see how it goes. He gave up. Look, Howie Kendrick hit a home run off of him, but it was on a great pitch. I mean, yeah. Ken, Kendrick just scooped that ball off the inside corner and took it out. It was Kendrick is a good hit. I mean, he fanned five. He had more strikeouts than Steven Strasburg. I mean, that's really all you can ask for, for in a start by by a, uh, a pitcher for the Orioles right now. So, uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what what Alex Cobb does today, and I know we'll get more into that game later. I think I think he. He's gonna. I think they. He has a chance to maybe go five, six. I hope that he gets a quality start this time and maybe take get some revenge on the Red Sox for last night's debacle. <laughs> maybe we won't see as explosive of a explosive of an offense for the Red Sox tonight. And that is that is my hope, and I'm sure that's the hope of Brandon Hyde and Alex Cobb. Yeah, I. I you're not expecting much out of this starting rotation. No. You're, you're you're absolutely right, but this none of these guys are going to be here no. when this when this rebuild is over. Um, give me Adley. <laughs> give me Adley. Give me Grayson Rodriguez. Give me DL Hall. There. It stinks that the that the minor league season got canceled this year because we lose a year of development. But all those guys are at that satellite campus at Bowie getting their work in. We won't see any of those guys, no. any of those three this year. But at least they're still being given the opportunity to develop. Uh, with that in mind, we're going to welcome the founder of this show onto the line, and that's Stan Charles. Stan, how you doing today, man? Glad to have you back on the show. Hey, Stan. I'm, I'm doing great. Who, who are you there with? I've got Vasilios Nicolau. He is a uh, sports hey, producer Vas- for uh, WBL. Doing? I'm doing well, Stan. How are you, sir? Good, good. Thanks for doing the show with Paul. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really enthused, Paul, how enthusiastic you are, and I think you're the right guy to take this thing over at this point in time. Well, Stan, that's very kind of you to say, and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity and trusting me to take a show that you built from the ground up and kind of run with it. I really appreciate the opportunity. All right. Well, I'm, I'm happy to contribute wherever I can. That was uh, a brutal night last night, to, to be blunt about it. You know, um, we, we knew... You know, we knew we were up against it a little bit, but Jesus was that was a that was a uh, stark reminder of just how little talent this team has. It's uh, really unfortunate. Yeah, and we were, we were just talking a little bit about the uh, about the, the pitching woes last night, and I, I got to admit, I saw some guys in the game last night that I wasn't expecting to see. Um, take the ball from Tommy Malone, and that's Cody Carroll, then Travis uh, Lakins, and then David Hess. Was that kind of high saying, okay, this is mop-up duty at this point, or do you think it was, I need to see what we have in these guys in a big league situation? No, I think he wanted to, look, Cody Carroll, uh, who looked really good when I was down in spring training uh, before the uh, onslaught of the pandemic, uh, Cody Carroll looked absolutely fantastic in spring training. And he looked, uh, as I understood, I never saw any of the practices or inter-squad games uh, during summer camp, but he supposedly looked very good there. I asked Brandon that question in the post-game Zoom, and uh, his answer was pretty interesting. He really attributed it to nerves that he thought that Cody Carroll, actually, when I say I asked him a follow-up on something he had said, uh, where he alluded to the nerve factor with uh, Cody Carroll, and I think that really is what, what, what was behind Cody Carroll's performance. I've got to believe that uh, he's got more talent. Uh, Tim Lakins, that was a tough spot for him. And, uh, you know, David Hess did give them three innings, which helped 
extinguish uh, any further problems by going too deep into the bullpen last night. But it just was too stark a reminder of, of, of the games we saw all too often last year. You know, listen, I wrote a piece the other day for PressBoxOnline.com. And, boy, I couldn't have been more wrong on, on, on the first game. Uh, but I alluded to the fact that there were about 12 or 14 pitchers that I counted up. I went through every stat last year. And those 12 pitchers, which included Evan Phillips, which included David Hess, um, and the, their ERA, the, the Orioles' team ERA was 5.59, which is absolutely horrible oh, it's, for, it's a team, for a team. But those 12 to 14 guys that I mentioned in that column, their ERA combined was 7.79, and they made up 327 innings of the, th- of the 1,440 innings that the team had last year. And I said, I'm counting on the fact that those 327 innings are going to be much better this year. And at least on night one, they were just like they were last year. Well, yeah, and we, we were talking about the fact that, yeah, the team didn't allow any home runs last night after allowing. Oh, yeah, that's, and, I didn't think about that. Yeah, and that's, that's, a, that's a band box. You give up 13 runs and you don't allow a home run. It, it, yeah. It's weird to say it's progress, but it's progress. But they walked seven batters last night. Yeah. And that, that's yeah. not going to cut the mustard if you want to compete in the ALEs. Not that they expect to right now. Nah, not that they compete, but, you know, there's just such a psychological thing if you lose last night 6-2 to two, and Malone gives you the performance he does, but the bullpen doesn't, you know, implode on night one. Now, you know, look, we've been here before. We're hopeful that uh, Alex Cobb will go out and give the team five good innings and then see what we can do. But uh, it's 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 really sort of frustrating. Jim Henneman, uh, one of our writers at PressBox, uh, and Jim is in his early 80s and has been going through some really rough physical stuff. He had hip surgery and then had a bowel obstruction of some kind. And he, he wrote me last night. He was really psyched, you know, to, to in his comeback physically at the age of 82 that the baseball season was starting. And he goes, it's just so weird how this team ends up losing its best starting pitcher and best relief pitcher right on the eve of the season. And he says it almost doesn't matter whether it's a 162-game season or a 60-game season. They're without their two best you know, pitchers right now, Hunter Harvey and uh, John Means. Oh, absolutely. And they're also, missing, uh, they're also missing Dylan Tate, who is expected to be an arm in the bullpen right now. Yeah, I look, I like Tate a lot. Uh, I saw some good things, but the bottom line, his numbers, I excluded him from my 327 innings of horror, uh, but his actual numbers were not very good last year, 5.57 ERA, something in that range. Uh, But I saw something in him that I think can can really be built upon and – and he can be a positive, but I still think Cody Carroll can be a positive. Uh, but David Hess, not so sure. One of, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Stan, is that uh, Paul and I were talking uh, a little bit earlier on about players that stood out to us on the Orioles last night in that game, even how dismal it was. Did anybody pop out to you or, or anything for that matter? 
Well, the only guy that really looked really looked like a nice player was uh, well, actually, Rio Ruiz looked good. You know, I mean, he made a couple plays at third base. He looked like his his um, his one two three throw was a lot better than last year. I'm hoping that that's mm-hmm. something they've worked on with him because he he turned several. And when I say several, I mean six or eight times last year, he'd get a ground ball hit to him, which was slowly hit. And he seemed not to intuit that, hey, I got to hustle this throw. And and base runners would beat it out. But I thought he had a good game. Of course, he hit a home run. And I thought Jose Iglesias uh, played played nicely. And Santander uh, got a big double, which was nice. Renato Nunez got a big double. But it's just... Uh, that game was too reminiscent of about 60 games last year for, for my liking. You well, know. Yeah, the Orioles, I, I think they lost uh, a game. They, they, they lost 41 games, I believe, last year by five runs or more, which is yeah. which is yeah. not good. And then when, when they start the season off their first game, they lose 13-2. to two. It certainly isn't a good sign of things to come. Uh, now look no, at, and, I, and I'll tell you what, what really is tough, and you alluded to it, you know, we, we – we can't beat a dead horse every Saturday on this show. You know, I mean, it is, it, you know, uh, it is what it is. Um, but but uh, the fact that there isn't the ability to see progress by these minor leaguers where you're going, hey, Grayson Rodriguez is 5-1 and one at Frederick, you know, and he's really pitching great. We can't do that. It's hard to to just say, "Hey, he's over there in Bowie with the taxi squad working out." Uh, it's still not the same as development. And I'm, you know, I'm hopeful the industry of baseball will figure something out uh, to get some of these players some innings some way. But I don't know how it's going to shake out. Well, yeah, it seems like it's just going to be a lost year of development, and this this pandemic has had an impact on everything. You know, it's it's the reason I'm in the studio right now, and and you're not. That's not saying that you that you came down with it, but you know, there right. there are health risks for you to come into the studio, which we totally understand. And then you look at Juan Soto for the Nationals; he tests positive for uh, for COVID nineteen, but the test results come two days after his test, and the Nationals allowed him to play in that exhibition game against the Orioles that Tuesday the Orioles night. And, and contact his teammates and other people. I mean, it's just uh, the testing situation in this country. It's uh, been, it's been an abomination. If you wanted to equate two things, uh, Oriole pitching and the testing in this country, you could, (laughs) you could make a pretty good case not to make it, you know, to make fun of it. Uh, But, you know, it's just an absolute disgrace that a country that used to be the leader in so many things is now a follower. In, in everything. Well, yeah, and it's it's amazing to me that Major League Baseball can't get results for a test quicker than two days. Uh, my my fiance, she was pretty sick last week, so we had her go get a, a test for COVID, and right. she she had results within forty five minutes. Uh, right. You know why why can't Major League Baseball? This is a multi billion dollar industry. Why can't they have a test that you get results the same day? And and look, I I, I saw that Soto took two more tests the other day and they both came back negative, but that's a spit test, which has more likelihood right. of coming up uh, of having false results. Laura didn't get the spit test. She had the, the, pick the nasal up the nose. swab. Yeah. She had the nasal swab and her results came back. Why can't baseball get on that page? 
Yeah, I I don't know. I I honestly don't know. It's uh, very sad. It, very sad. It is now now getting. I mean, it's to... very sad that we can't. In general, I know somebody here in town, a, a very good friend of my wife's, a doctor, who had to wait. I think like ten days for her results. I mean, it's just uh, I, you know I. I don't know what we're days. what we're doing here, but that ain't right. So yeah. I I try and stay as far away from it as possible. You know. I hear you. I hear you. Well, let's let's move on to better things to talk about. You know, the Nas- <clears throat> the Nationals played a game the other day. They lost to the Yankees four to one in a rain shortened five inning affair where uh, Scherzer. Looked like himself, but didn't look like himself. He gave up four runs, including that long home run to Giancarlo Stanton, but he also had 11 strikeouts. The Nationals are defending world champions, but they lost Rendon. Zimmerman opted yeah. out. Hicks opted out. Uh, what? And, and Soto isn't probably going to play for two weeks because, of, because he has to self-quarantine. What are your expectations for the Nationals this year? Well, first of all, by the way, did you notice that they – Ran a scroll last night during some uh, some of the ESPN games that that the early uh, viewing showed that that game the Washington Yankee game got more than four million viewers. Oh wow! Uh, which is which that. is the largest regular season viewing audience since 1996, which is pretty good news for the sport. Um, you know, uh, you know, all the people that are panicking, saying they're going to kill the sport and all this and how pissed off people are that the, the owners and the players fought over, you know, management fought over compensation and all that stuff. Let's start with that. As far as the Nationals go, that was a, you, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head with uh, Scherzer looking like himself but not looking like himself. You know, the, the thing about Max is he's an amazing uh, guy, uh, an amazing physical specimen, and he's been an amazing pitcher for eight, nine years now. But he's 35 years of age. Uh, if you think you're going to see the same Max Scherzer that you probably saw, you know, up until early last season when he started to have some physical problems, it's going to be tough for him to reduplicate what he's done the last eight or nine years, you know, he, uh, we all, uh, nobody's beaten father time and, uh, you know, Max Scherzer still has a lot left in the tank, but I don't know that we'll, we'll see the guy that's got an ERA at 2.4 or something like that. He may pitch in the high threes and even low fours, uh, because he's certainly susceptible to a little bit more of the home run ball uh, than he was. Um, having said that, I mean, the Nationals are still a pretty good team, but boy, you, you hit the nail on the head with Soto missing the first couple weeks and having lost Rendon and having lost Harper, you know, over a year and a half time, that's an awful lot of offense to be missing. And I don't know that I see it there with, it's only one game, but I don't know that I see it with Eric Thames and, uh, you know, uh, Asrubal Cabrera, you know, picking up Michael Taylor, picking up the slack that they've lost. So um, they're going to be a team that really needs to make sure that they are six and four, five and five after 10 games and not three and seven, uh, because uh, 60 games is going to go by very quickly. Uh, and especially those first 20 games can go by very quickly. And you could be almost resigned to being on the outside looking in. 
And look, they've got, uh, you know, they've got a division, uh, the Mets with Eric DeGrom, uh, with uh, DeGrom, Jacob DeGrom, mm-hmm. and then the uh, Braves with Max Fried and Michael Soratka, uh, Soroka. Um, you know, they're not in, they're not in the, the shallow water. You know, this is a very tough division with the Phillies, Mets, and Braves. And, you know, look, uh, Alcantara pitched a hell of a game last night for the Miami Marlins. So who knows, maybe they'll show a little bit of improvement. So it's not going to be easy for the Washington Nationals. It certainly isn't. And they all, you also have to take into consideration that they have to play 20 games against the American League East. Now, there's six, six of those games are against the Orioles, but they still have to take on the Yankees, the Rays, a revamped Blue Jays team, and the, the Red Sox who proved last night that they're, that they're still sticking around. Don't forget the Buffalo Blue Jays. And, uh, right, the Buffalo, the Buffalo Blue Jays who now, who now have a home in Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> That's you, right. You know, with, with the expanded playoff scenario that they just uh, ratified the other day, there's going to yeah. be 16 playoff teams, so I think the Nationals still have a shot with that. With that top three in the rotation, they still have a shot to make the playoffs. That's a good. That's a good point. I mean, I sort of fell asleep on that. The expanded playoffs, yeah. With six more teams, uh, you'd have to be pretty hard pressed not to make, not to get into the playoff bubble. You know? Right, and and with. Even when Soto comes back, the one, what I worry about with the Nationals is the firepower in that lineup. And you mentioned, you know, Eric Tame's going to get a lot of playing time. You're going to have Howie Kendrick, Howie Kendrick playing first base. But you're depending on Victor Robles and Carter Keboom and Trey Turner to stay healthy, which he hasn't proven he's been able to do throughout his career. They, they have a long road ahead, and they got off to a terrible start last year. They better hope they don't start this season Two and five, one and four, something like that, because a three-game losing streak in this short of a season is the equivalent of an eight-game losing streak in the in a, in a hundred and sixty-two game stretch. Yep, no question about it. They, uh, they, they, you know, that, that's look. Mike Rizzo put his money uh, on that pitching staff, you know, and and in fairness to Mike Rizzo, you, you know, when you have a twenty-one-year-old Juan Soto. Um, you, you're you're not thinking of an injury knocking him out when you're working through the off season to improve your club and you know so he did a lot of the things he checked a lot of the boxes he needed to check um, and it's just unfortunate that Soto is down but without Soto that lineup just does not it it doesn't really scare you at all. You know, yeah, it I mean, becomes Turner, very pedestrian. Turner's a Turner's a really nice player. Don't get me wrong, but after that, where's the thump in that lineup without Soto there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you make a great point, Stan. I'm I'm looking at the the box score from the other night, and and Adam Eaton was the only one to drive in a run the bottom of the first. He had that home run, and it looked like it was going to be a game where both teams were just going to keep stacking runs. But the game ended prematurely in the sixth inning due to that rain delay. But and and I'm kind of worried about that lineup. You're absolutely right. There there is no thump there. And I mean, if if there's no thump in in today's in modern baseball, there's going to be no no heart and soul for that team other than pitching. And even then, yeah. Max Scherzer, like he, yes, he he struck out 11, but it was is that it was Max Scherzer's performance. Uh, just indicative of where he is in his career, or was it just a very good Yankees lineup? Well, I think it's a, a bit of a combination of both. And look, I'm not throwing in the towel that Max Scherzer washed up by any means, but I just think where Max used to be the guy that you'd count on holding the opposition to one to three runs, 
is now a guy that's going to be more prone to, you know, three to five runs on, on occasions. And with that offensive uh, firepower not being what it's been the last couple of years, um, they're going to be ha- more hard-pressed to win some of the games that he's pitching in. And again, that's a really tough division. Um, you know, with the uh, the Phillies did not get a good performance by Aaron Nola on night number one, but the Braves look pretty good, even though they lost. Uh, they got a great performance by Mike Soroka, and, um, and certainly the Mets are formidable with some of the pitching that they have. Well, yeah, and getting back to the the divisions that the Nationals and the Orioles have to play, for that matter, the NL East and the AL East, they might be the, the two best divisions in baseball. That that t- that leads me to think that you know you're going to have the top two teams from each division this year make the playoffs, and then the seventh and eighth uh, teams seeds will be based on best record. After that, you could see potentially three playoff teams from each division. Uh, once we get to the postseason, what are your thoughts on a 16-team expanded playoffs with four three-game series to start the wild card round, rather than that wild card play-in game? I, I got to be honest with you, Paul. I have not really. It hit me. It hit so quick, like it, it, the first story appeared the night before opening day that they were trying to nail down this expanded playoff thing, and I'm glad that they. They came to an agreement on it. I haven't had time to digest it. I'm frankly a little stunned at how big, how big, you know, going from 10 teams to 16 teams is, is quite a bit, you know, five in each league to, to eight in each league. That's, ch- that's chomping off a, an awful lot of uh, playoff action. But I guess if, if there's going to be a season, you're going to experiment with some things I guess this is the year to do it, but it um, it strikes me as too many. You know, I would have thought that going to six teams would have been about the right increase that I would have liked to see. But look, let's face it they're they're just doing a money grab right now. Yeah, they're trying to to recoup any yeah any, any revenue they to, can get. Know, yep, you you got that right, and and, uh, and they're look. You know, it's it's crazy to talk about, but, um, you know, Alex Rodriguez about 10 days ago said something that's brought him a lot of condemnation by the Players Association. But I think he really made a lot of sense in his talk uh, that Major League Baseball really does need to implement a, a sort of a salary cap that caps the salaries, but there's an agreement in principle and in mind to work together to to create other revenues and other revenue opportunities where that's where the player's win can be. But you give the ownership some kind of, you know, some kind of sanity to their payrolls as you go along here. Um, you know, look, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll get back to the days where fans are able to come out to baseball games, and we hope that that's by next year. But we don't know whether fans are ever going to come out to the baseball games to the tune that they have over the years. You know, uh, th- those days may be over, you know, uh, as people get more used to watching games from home and um, and enjoying things like the Zoom interviews and all that uh, stuff that you can't get when you're out at the game. 
Uh, it won't fully replace it, but I think that Alex Rodriguez really was on to something. And it may, it may in the end, it may be too controversial for him and may cost him his bid to, to uh, own the New York Mets with Jennifer Lopez and a whole host of other uh, sports celebrities. Uh, but I thought he made some sense, and I think it's something that baseball has to, has to look at. Oh, ab- absolutely. And, you know, speaking of revenue, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that we're coming to you live from the Live Casino Hotel Studio. We've got Stan Good Charles. Good job, Paul. Good job, Paul. <laughs> thank Good you. Job. Thank you. We've got Stan Charles on the line with Paul and Vasilios here on the batter round. Uh, Stan, you know, we just talked about the 16-team playoffs. Um, who are your picks for the American League East and the National League East? And then after that, who's your pick for the World Series this year with a truncated season? Well, uh, let's let's start with the American League East. I think it's really a two-team race, despite how good the Red Sox looked last night. Uh, and and Toronto, it, Toronto is capable of being the surprise team in there. But I'd say that Tampa and the Yankees are way ahead of the other three teams. I think they're both locks to make the postseason in the American League Central. I think the Twins are probably the best team out there, although uh, Jake Odorizzi is going to miss the first uh, you know, 10, 12 days of the season, at least with a back injury. And Rich Hill, who they were sort of, they were counting on to be a second half of the season jolt when they signed him uh, because they knew he wasn't going to play till June or July. Uh, he had been looking great um, through summer camp, and then they pushed him back. He was supposed to start game two. They've pushed him back to next week. Uh, but the Twins look to me like the best team in that division. Oh, yeah. Cleveland, Cleveland, though, uh, you can't underestimate having Shane Bieber, who struck out 14 guys last night, which is the most strikeouts on an opening day, I think, since 1990, I read last night. Wow. 96. Uh, I, I 90, think we've seen it. Was it out. also 96? It said 96. I think Mussina struck out 15, maybe, on opening day in 96. Okay. You want to know something okay. crazy real quick? I was born in 96. Oh, don't right. even talk to me, man. <laughs> get, get out of here. Get out of here. You're a kid. You're a kid. What do you know? He's a, he's a kid uh, so to anyway, me. <laughs> um, the Cleveland with Shane Bieber and Clevenger. Uh, they're going to be dangerous, uh, and they've got some thump in that lineup with uh, Lindor, uh, Reyes, um, uh, Ramirez, Perez. I mean, they, their outfield's a little scant on offense, but they, they make up for it throughout. So those two teams are good. The White Sox have a little bit of a potential to be a surprise team. They can't be too thrilled with the way Lucas Giolito pitched last night on game one, but I would say that Minnesota and Cleveland are sort of locks to get in and out West. I think Houston is, uh, is going to be very good. Texas is going to be a bit improved and I'm leaving out one good team in the West. Um, Oakland, Oakland's a really good team. Uh, they came back and won that game. Of course, my fantasy team, I have Liam Hendricks who couldn't get Jason Castro out last night. Um, but he, he had a really bad umpiring uh, guy at home plate. Brian Knight squeezed him on about five pitches uh, while he was watching that. But anyway, so Oakland, Houston, Oakland, Houston, Texas, um, the three teams I mentioned, Chicago is a bit of a dark horse. 
uh, and the two teams in the American League East. The Boston Red Sox, look, they beat us 13-2 to last night. Good for them. But, you know, a team you're used to seeing. You know, these next two days, today and tomorrow, the Orioles actually have the better pitching matchup, in my estimation. Today, Cobb uh, versus who's starting for Boston today? It's uh, Martin Perez. Yes. I-, I give the Orioles the advantage in the starting pitching matchup today. And tomorrow... Uh, Asher Wojciechowski against Ryan Weber. I mean, these this is the best the Red Sox can bring to the table. Yeah, they're they're hurting for starting pitching with Sale uh, undergoing Tommy John, Erod having complications from COVID. They and and trading away David Price, who opted out anyway. They're they're going to be hurting well, for starting pitching. Well, the real thing though is it's really um, it, it's staggering to me that the president of the team came out with the comments that he did yesterday. It really, he's disappointed that Mookie Betts signed this long term deal with the Dodgers. That they kind of knew what they were doing. They had a plan, and uh, they were hoping to make another bid for him. But uh, that, losing a player in Mookie Betts. Um, you know, they did get a couple prospects in there. I can't remember right this second who they got in that deal. Verdugo they, for one. Yep. Well, Verdugo, yeah, and he'll probably play today. Uh, but they got a couple young prospects in the deal as well. Uh, that That's good for them. Getting price off of their payroll was good. But losing a talent, um, you know, a generational talent like Mookie Betts uh, really hurts. Uh, absolutely. Because I, I can tell you. Even though Kevin Pillar um, got three hits last night and drove in three RBIs, there's a two two thirty seven hitter. You know, two thirty seven to two forty five. That's what Kevin Pillar will, will hit. Uh, and if they think he's anywhere near a replacement for part of Mookie Betts, they're sadly mistaken. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. So Stan, we we gotta we gotta get going here real quick. Who was your uh, World Series pick for this season? It's too early, but I think the Yankees and the Dodgers look to me to be overwhelmingly the two best teams in baseball. It depends, though. The Dodgers pitching, starting pitching, scares me a little bit, although Dustin May looked really good the other night, and he actually could have a better season than Clayton Kershaw this year. Uh, But that's a big statement to make in uh, the first three, four games of the season. But I think the Dodgers... And my dark horse would probably be the Oakland A's. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you on the A's as being a dark horse. I think the Padres have a chance to make the playoffs, too. I think there's a lot of talent there. But I think that the Dodgers definitely have the most talented roster I've seen in quite a while. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's their title to lose this year. But. Yeah, I think Dodgers and Yankees are playing for the World Series. But they got a, they got a longer and uh, more... Uh, you know, alligator-filled uh, gauntlet that they have to uh, to uh, cross uh, to get there. I mean, boy, uh, that's a real jump in uh, teams from five per league to eight per league to make the postseason. Absolutely. Well, hey, Stan, really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for doing a half hour with us today, Thank you, Stan. man. Congratulations, and I'm there for you anytime you need me. Appreciate All it. Right? We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Thanks. so much. All right. Thank you. See Bye-bye. You. That was great. And- 
Yeah, it was really great to have Stan on. I'm glad that we're going to be able to have him on the show weekly because th- that's a guy who's been around Baltimore sports for nearly 40 years. He's got a lot of intel on on the game of baseball specifically and the Orioles. My head hurts already. <laughs> really great to, guy to talk to. And, hey, guys, look, I know you're used to seeing Stan on this show. If you're missing your Stan the Fan Fix, you can get it twice a week on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash Sports. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley talk baseball. And every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein talk to a newsmaker in the sports world. This week, Stan and Ross caught up with the legendary Boog Powell, famous for his time at first base with the Orioles. He may be more famous for his pit beef and pit turkey out there at Boog's Barbecue at this point. While Stan and Gary chatted with former Ravens coach Brian Billick, um, in addition to Stan and Ross talking to Boog Powell, uh, find both shows via the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com. And coming up this Monday night, you won't want to miss it when former Orioles closer Greg Olson joins Stan and Ross as former Orioles closer and current Orioles part-time broadcaster Greg Olson joining... For his time at first base Whoa, sorry. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, my hand accidentally hit my Facebook live feed and turned it on on my phone. I apologize for that. First show jitters. My apologies. I was hearing double. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you're going to have Greg Olson joining Stan and Ross uh, this coming Monday night. Do not miss it. That's uh, find both both of their shows at the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com. Coming up after this break, we're going to have Matt Pine of Nate Hit the Foul Pole Podcast and Utah Street Report doing the show. Uh, till then, got to pay some bills. If you're looking to make an impact, there's no better place to do that than the U.S. Army. Whether your goal is to fight and cure deadly diseases, develop technologies, or seek adventures across the globe, the Army is where all of that can happen, and so much more. The Army is a team of a million individuals working together to take on the most complex problems in the nation and the world, and to win. Ask yourself, what's your warrior? Go to army.com slash Baltimore to find out. To learn more, contact your local Army recruiter and find us on social media at U.S. Army Baltimore. Hey, Dad, can you give me a ride? Ahoy, matey. I'd love to. Batten down the hatches and let's set sail. Um, why are you talking like a pirate? Because our voyage will stop at Royal Farms for Chicken Palooza 3. Yo-ho-ho! Royal Farms Chicken Palooza 3 is going on now, and it's a treasure trove of golden chicken delights. Sail in and get a delicious two-piece, world-famous chicken box made with fresh, never-frozen chicken or the all-new, hand-breaded, crispy on the outside, tender on the inside, world-famous chicken sandwich, the Royal, for only five bucks. Plus, a portion of each chicken box sale will benefit the Johns Hopkins Children's Center. Well, uh, shiver me timbers, Dad. Let's heave ho to Rofo. Oh, that's my little scallywag. Royal Farms Chicken Palooza 3. It's bigger, better, and more tasty than ever. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Baltimore's favorite bar, Sliders Bar and Grill, is now open. Just across the street from Camden Yards, Sliders is open, and they've added new menu items, new frozen cocktails, and new 32-ounce beers. If you're not ready to go out just yet, you can still order from Sliders' carryout menu, and they still have liter bottles of hand sanitizer available for just $15. Call 443-835-0906 or 410-547-8891 or visit slidersbaltimore.com. We'll see you this summer at Sliders. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 25th anniversary of Cal Ripken breaking Lou Gehrig's consecutive games record and the unique 19 minutes of silence ESPN's Chris Berman spent while the celebration unfolded. Bill Erdine spoke to both Berman and Ripken about the incredible moment. Also inside, Ken Zalis offers his fantasy football draft guide and much more. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. And we're back here coming at you live from the Live Casino Hotel studio. It's Paul and Vasilios on the Bat Around. And joining us right now from Utah Street Report and from his podcast, Nate Hit the Foul Pole, we've got Matt Pine, who was actually supposed to be the, the original co-host on the show before the pandemic hit. Matt, how are we doing today, man? Doing pretty well. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, buddy. Good to see you, or good to hear your voice, rather. Yeah, you as well, B. How you doing? Good, man. Uh, I want I wanted to bring something up uh, once we got you on, and uh, Paul just brought you in. But uh, I know I know you guys both saw uh, the number change by Nathan Eovaldi last night in the in the uh, those Red Sox game, right? Oh yeah, I, saw, I I didn't I didn't notice it until somebody pointed out on social media. It went from seventeen to seven. Yeah, and uh, I, I actually noticed it on TV. So most people didn't notice it on TV, which was the funny part. But uh, one of the funniest things I saw last night, and this kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier, Paul, about the Red Sox really hurting for starting pitching right now. Somebody had tweeted out along with the picture. They said, "Can we put Ivaldi twice on the lineup or on in the rotation like this?" <laughs> it, it, it would be nice, right? I mean, that dude was painting the corners at you know ninety nine oh, miles an hour at points Disgusting. last night. He, he was he was as good as he looked in the World Series a couple of years ago. I I wasn't expecting it, but that's the kind of talent that guy has. Yeah, I was talking about it on my podcast last night. Actually, we were saying, you know, Eovaldi kind of really fell off last year, but what he displayed in the game yesterday really looked like closer type stuff coming from a starter. Oh yeah, absolutely. When 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 you can pop the mitt and hit your spots at in the upper nineties, you're going to have success in this league. Now, look, there were a couple of times where it looked like he came across his body a little bit, um, was missing wide in the left in the left-handed batter's box. Uh, but what I saw, he threw 89 pitches and only 22 balls. And I don't know if that's because he was so good last night, or if it was because the Orioles' batters just weren't very selective. I mean, at one point it was the fourth inning; he'd only thrown nine balls the entire game. Yeah, I mean, the, the Orioles hitters especially yesterday, they looked extremely aggressive. Uh, they were coming out, especially in the first two innings, swinging, you know, first pitch, swinging second pitch. So I think a lot of that can be attributed to the Orioles uh, hitters. Yeah, and there's, there's something to be said for opening day jitters. A lot of these guys are – most of these guys are 26 years old or younger in this lineup. And a lot for a lot of these guys, like Austin Hayes and Anthony Santander um, – this is their first opening day. So I can understand having the jitters. They were a little bit more aggressive. Hopefully we see a little bit more of a, a disciplined approach at the plate uh, the rest of this series. Uh, you know, you got Alex Cobb going up against Martin Perez today. That should be a solid matchup for the Orioles that works in the Orioles' favor. What are you looking for, Matt, from the Orioles this year? What are you looking for for the rest of this series? Who are some players that stand out to you? Well, I think for, uh, as a whole, I think for the season, you want to see the young players improve. You want to see them develop. 
Uh, I'm looking for, you know, Ryan Mountcastle to come up and, and showcase. I'm looking for Hunter Harvey to be uh, potentially that closer type guy. But, you know, I, I think this is going to be, as evidence as last night, I think this is going to be a slog through 60 games. I don't think they're going to be, you know, winning more than 15 to 20 games. And, um, you know, it, it might be for the best. I think looking out for the future, I think you want this team to um, get those top overall picks to really uh, make a push when they're ready to win. Yeah, I, I think that that's really that's that's really all that you you can expect. And we were talking with Stan, and it, it kind of stinks. It, it doesn't kind of stink. It really stinks that there's no minor league season. At least we have some of the top prospects that are going to be at at Bowie um, at the satellite campus getting their work in in that 60 man player pool. Um, and speaking of that, the 30 man roster. Were there any surprises on that roster for you? For me, for example, I was surprised to see that David Hess made the opening day roster. I didn't think he showed much of anything. And I was telling Vasilios, he's a nice guy. He's a good guy. He seems like a good teammate. But you know, yep. I think what you see is what you get. Who surprised you that made that roster that maybe you weren't expecting? Um, if there was one guy I had to pick out, I would say Cedric Mullins, just because okay. he's a Dan Duquette guy. He doesn't really necessarily fit into this regime and, and kind of their philosophy but if he can prove himself this year play well defensively get on base and and maybe steal some bases I think he could be a potential uh, contributor in the coming years but you know I think Austin, Austin Hayes at the moment has center field locked down yeah I thought that um speaking of Austin Hayes he seemed and and, and I don't think that this is going to be the case for the season but watching him play last night, he seemed a little bit out of his element. Um, it, it seemed like he was chasing pitches that he wouldn't normally wouldn't normally chase, and it, it just seemed he looked to me like the moment was a little big for him. And maybe that's just me. Maybe I was looking for him to have the swagger of an all uh, of an all star. But I just it seemed like he was kind of minimized by the moment yesterday. Yeah, I think he's just trying to keep the momentum going from from last season. I mean, he came up, lit the world on fire, had a 900-plus OPS. Um, so I think he's just trying to continue to prove himself. Yeah, I think he was, um, you know, being a little bit over-aggressive yesterday, but I think uh, once he realizes the player that he is, I think he will come into his own. So we were talking to Stan a little bit earlier, and uh, we were talking about today's – pitching matchup between Alex Cobb and, uh, I'm sorry, I lost the name of the... Uh, Martin the, Perez, Martin Perez, thank you. Uh, and Stan actually gave the Orioles the advantage in, in today's matchup for for uh, pitching, in terms of pitching, that is. Where, where do you think... I mean, is Alex Cobb this, this staff ace right now, for lack of a better term? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think he's, um, with John Means not in the equation, I think you can rely on Alex Cobb to be that dude for the the Orioles be that stopper. Um, Martin Perez, he was, you know, he came up with the Rangers. He was kind of a, a highly touted prospect. Uh, fell off really with them. It fell out of favor. And uh, I don't, from what I saw from some of the Boston reporters, he did not look good at all in um, some of their intra squad games. Um, so I think I would give the the nod to the Orioles in the pitching matchup today. Well, speaking of being that dude. I'm going to switch gears here a little bit because I was that dude in our group chat yesterday <laughs> for Fantasy Baseball. 
getting a little ahead of my a little big for my britches to use a, an extremely old term talking all the trash when I was in first place halfway through the first day of the season uh definitely got a nice nice huge slice of humble pie as I'm now sitting in 13th place um I was sitting there with Laura who my fiance who's also in our fantasy league Matt and um mm-hmm. I was I was talk we we were discussing the points I have no idea how the points work in our fantasy league. I'm, I'm new to this. I, I went from having 104 points to the next time I checked it, I had 66. I have no idea what's going on right now. Explain <laughs> fantasy baseball. Explain our rotisserie league to me and some of our listeners here who might be playing fantasy baseball for the first time and don't really know what the hell is going on. Yeah, I'm going to be listening. Even though I'm in first place right now, I still don't know how this <laughs> league works, man. <laughs> so, all right. So to kind of put it in layman's terms as best as I can, um, in, in our particular fantasy league, and we're doing a rotisserie style. So there are 16 teams, meaning that the highest amount of points you can reach is 16 points, and basically we have it in categories. So, for example, runs, home runs, RBIs. So if you have the most home runs out of everybody in the league, you're going to get 16 points. Okay. If you have the least amount, you're going to get one point. So that'll fluctuate day-to-day based on that. Um, and we're doing five-by-five five categories, so we're including pitching stats as well. Um, hopefully that is a, a little bit of a help to you. Um, oh, no, it absolutely is. I had no idea that that's how the point system worked. I, I just thought it was this arbitrary thing. I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, I thought, yeah. I thought, I thought you were just putting the points in there, Matt, <laughs> Well, I, you know what? I was in first place yesterday, but now I'm down to ninth. So I don't think I could be accused of that anymore. <laughs> oh, man. Y- yesterday, yesterday, my team, my batters went five for forty with a two thirty nine on base percentage and That's one rough. home run. And then, right. and then my one starting pitcher who pitched yesterday, Charlie Morton, got lit up for six runs in four innings. So it was not a good showing in my first mm-hmm. uh, foray into fantasy baseball, where I somewhat that, uh, that dinger to uh, Kevin Biggio, I believe he did. He did. Kevin Biggio had himself a night yesterday, and. Uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I saw on the bottom line on ESPN last night that for the first time in Major League history, a team's entire infield all had MLB lineage, and that's Travis Shaw, Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, and um, and uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And then on top of that, for the first time in history, the first bat- the first four batters in the lineup had MLB lineage because all of those guys batted one through four. It's something that's pretty wild. pretty impressive. Now. You have to wonder: Did the Blue Jays draft based on talent? I think they may they may have, or, or, did, or, or based on legacy, because the name Vladimir Guerrero carries a lot of weight in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I mean the Blue Jays—they have all those players on the Major League roster. They still have uh, Griffin Conine, who's the son of Jeff Conine in their minor leagues. They have Cody Clemens, I believe, who's Roger Clemens' son. So that's their strategy. Wow. They just want to get all the all the uh, sons of former big league greats, and I think it's working out so far. Thank God they didn't take Pete Rose Jr. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good call. But, um, no, I'm I'm looking, I'm looking at my, uh, my fantasy team right now. And my, uh, my batters went 13 for 39 last night. And 333. Huh? That's a nice 333 average. I know. And I mean, (laughs) I, I got lucky because I got, Christian Vasquez and Jackie Bradley Jr. going against the Orioles last night. So two guys who hit two forty in a season. Yeah, I lucked into that, and so I mean, Mike Mustakis had a day yesterday, three for four with a home run, four RBI, uh, and then of course Ian Happ, who 
ESPN alerted me only was only owned in 8.8% of leagues. He ended up going one for three with two RBI and a home run. So, I mean, I, I'm, 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 enjoying, I'm enjoying this this league so far right now. Of course, not every day is going to be like that in, in fantasy baseball. But, um, no, this, this, is, this is pretty fun so far. I'm, I'm very, very it, excited for this. It has season. been fun. I felt bad about talking trash, especially with, <laughs> our, with friend of the show, Justin Labore. I felt like I was maybe starting to get under his skin. Uh, he made a comment to me that – made me believe that I was probably starting to irritate him a little bit. So, hey, Matt, we ran long with Stan, so I apologize that we're, we have to cut it a little bit short with you no today. Um, so the, b- before we continue here, uh, Matt was supposed to be sitting where Vasilios is sitting, uh, but he has a high-risk family member. Um, how, how, how are things going with you, Matt? How are things going with your family? Is everybody doing well? Yeah, we're all doing well. Um you know, we haven't had any issues yet. Um, we did have a neighbor who, not have who, issues. who passed away from the virus. Ooh. That was kind of a, a bit of a scare. He was he sure. was in a, a nursing facility, so he was not um, anywhere, you know, in proximity to us. But, you know, it, it's scary. It, you know, just you try to take every precaution. It's not like I'm, you know, I'm going out uh, when need be. I'm trying to go out and hiking with friends and stuff like that, but just trying to limit my exposure, that's all. Totally understandable. So, hey, Matt, why don't you give us a little bit of a plug for your podcast and for your writing before we let you go today? Sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so, just like Paul, I write for Utah Street Report. Um, I haven't had any, you know, super recent articles, but as the season goes along, I will definitely be updating. Totally understandable. Uh, with that, I host a, a co-host a baseball podcast with my friend Zach Goodman. Um, that's every Friday. We, we live stream that on YouTube. It's called Nate Hit the Foul Pole. Um, Yesterday we had fan drafts writer Dan Zaborski, also an Orioles fan on. Um, so just look for that throughout the season. Yeah, and if, if you haven't tuned in and they hit the foul pole yet, you're really missing out. These guys fantastic do a fantastic show. job. And I, I, I go back to the, the day of the Major League Draft. These guys did four and a half hours of draft coverage live. And they had, you they, and I both guested on we, the show, didn't we? We both guested on the show. We had a beard comparison. Yes. Um, I'm not sure whose is better right now. Uh, Vasilis will say his. I'll fight him on it, but maybe off screen. Yeah, off screen, um, definitely. Uh, but, you know, th- these guys do a fantastic – Matt, you and, you and Zach, you guys crushed it. I watched you guys and not the MLB or ESPN coverage of the draft. That's how good of a job oh, you guys wow. did. Yeah, you guys did better I'm, than ESPN, that's for sure. I'm flattered. Thank you, guys. Well, hey, man, thank you for joining the show. Hopefully we'll get you back on here soon. And hopefully at some point in the future, I don't know how near it can be, we'll be able to get you in studio and do something live from there, man. Thanks so much for joining the show. That's the plan. Thanks, guys. See you, buddy. Hey, man, take it easy. Matt Pine, everybody. That was that was great. No, and you you didn't you hit the nail on the head. The show their sh- their podcast is fantastic, and that that was a fun night with the the MLB draft. I mean, the information they provided. I mean, both the guys are so knowledgeable. It was a lot of fun, and we at, we 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 did have a beard comparison. I think I th- who else jumped in? I can't. I think it was. Um, uh, you know, I, I honestly can't remember. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, Dylan. I think he called himself a man amongst boys. Yeah. With, when it came to that. But that, that was that was a lot of fun, and um, yeah. If you guys haven't checked it out, go go check out Nate hit the foul pole. They released their audio. On, you can, I'm sure Matt post that on Twitter. Uh, they also have their Nate hit the foul pole YouTube channel, where they do their live streams every Friday. I believe at five or five thirty. Uh, it's a great show. But um, coming up, we're gonna have Craig Heist 
and he, he's going to join us here to talk about the Nationals and this MLB season thus far. Of course, we're only a couple of days in, folks, and I mean it's it's shaping up to be a pretty pretty decent season. It looks like uh, we we're seeing a lot of quite a few home runs. Are the ball still juiced? Maybe, <laughs> but it's. We're we're really we're really happy to be here. We're really excited to be talking baseball with you guys, and uh, we're <laughs> baseball's back, man. Baseball is back. Baseball is back, and so is Craig Heist. Craig joining the show today. Craig, how you doing, man? I'm good. What's up? Hey, Craig. Uh, we're you know we're just we're just chugging along here, doing our first show, Sans Stan, uh, not to rhyme. Um, <laughs> how you been through all this? I haven't I haven't talked to you probably since March. How you been? Well, we're hanging in there day by day. I think that's pretty much the scenario with everybody. Uh, either you're, 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 you know, waiting out a, waiting out not being employed, or you're back to work, or you know, you've been working the whole time, and uh, it's different things for different people. And uh, you know, the bottom line is to do all the things to keep yourself healthy. Wear a mask when you go outside, and. You know, social distance, do all the things that you're supposed to do, and I, I think uh, that's probably been the the biggest thing for everybody. Well, and I think you hit the nail on the head, and and you know, not to get political on the show, I try to stay as far away from that kind of stuff as possible. Well, but, you don't want to do that with me. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, you say social distance and wear a mask, and folks, it really is just that simple. It's not a political thing. It's about being healthy, being safe, and keeping other people safe. Wear a mask. What does it hurt? If we wear a mask, that's how you beat this I, thing. I can't believe Well, I, I think so. And, I mean, I, common sense certainly tells you that. And, uh, you know, but again, you know, we also, we also live in a land of uh, freedom, or at least we're supposed to anyway. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I believe very highly in personal choice. And, uh, but, again, you know, you gotta, you know, you know you got to look at the situation, analyze it, and, and do what's best for you and everybody else around you, knowing that there's a pandemic and how, how this is, you know, how this thing has been spread. If you told me a year ago that wearing a piece of cloth over your nose and mouth was going to become a political statement, I would have been like, okay, no, I'm, I don't want to see the future. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I totally agree with you. It's, and I, you know, I have not, uh, had that swab test, uh, but I hear it's not a pleasant thing to get either. Yeah. Oh yeah, my fiance just got it. Um, just got it last week. They stuck it up both nostrils. Um, she let out a few expletives while they were doing it, <laughs> but she said it only took a few seconds. It wasn't that bad to deal with, and her test came back negative. Um, and and one of those expletives wasn't nose. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely was not. So, look, we, we, let's talk about some better things here rather than this virus, which has just been, you know, all anybody wants to talk about for the last four months. How have you been keeping busy, Craig? Have you been able? Were you able to attend Nationals camp at all? Uh, no, not at all. And uh, they they did. Uh, I think the same thing the Orioles did was, you know, very selective about who gets in, and uh, uh, even even with the games now have started. Uh, Orioles last night in, in their game against the Red Sox, but also the Nationals and the Yankees back on Thursday, and they play again tonight at 7.05, uh, and the Orioles this afternoon. But there's not travel for the media, per se, in terms of, you know, any of the beat people. They're staying at home and covering it that way and doing player interviews by Zoom calls. 
So, um, you know, that's a large degree. I mean, I, I was not at opening night uh, in Washington. I was two blocks away down Half Street uh, from the stadium doing the postgame show on the radio from the studio at the station. So, uh, you know, they're doing their... They're doing their best to limit the amount of people that are in the stadium while the games are going on. And, again, I, I think that's a good thing for the most part. So, you know, hopefully we get 60 games in and the postseason, now that that's expanded, uh, you know, to 16 teams, you know, and if they can get through the whole thing. And, you know, I think that kind of bodes well going into next year, depending on, you know, the status of this uh this pandemic going forward. So we, I, I was watching the, the O's game last night, Craig, and uh, the, the Orioles announcers on mass and Scott Carso and Ben McDonald, they uh, are obviously doing their, their broadcast remotely. They were not at the stadium in Boston. So um, they, during one of the, one of the Orioles plays, they couldn't see what was happening on the, on the monitor that they were, they were, they were watching. So uh, what I, I guess what I wanted to know is how has this, how has the pandemic, not just the pandemic, but the way that the MLB has been orchestrating everything, how has it changed the way you covered the Nationals? And uh, feel free to elaborate on that. Well, for me, I mean, it's, uh, and it's going to be the same, it's going to be the same for Bob Carpenter and F.P. Santangelo along with, uh, you know, uh, Charlie and Dave on the radio, when the, when the games are played on the road, they'll be calling the games from um, the, the the broadcast booths at Nationals Park, and I'm you know the same way Scott and Ben McDonald did it last night from Camden Yards uh, on Madison. So I mean it's a it's a different dynamic. Uh, I, I think the play by play is a little bit different in the sense that you're not physically there at the stadium in front of the game and having the game in front of you. Uh, but all the basics, I, I think, you know, come out as far as the broadcasters are concerned. You know, you're you're paying attention to the action and, you know, your pitch counts and uh, what the count is against the hitter. Uh, you know, the, the only thing you don't the only thing you don't want is to come back from a commercial break late and miss part of it. <laughs> oh, right. And that, that's that's something that, that could happen with live TV, basically watching the game live from a monitor in your in your studio. Now, I think we can all agree that we are glad to have baseball back. There's going to be some hiccups along the road because this is something that we, that nobody's familiar with playing baseball during a pandemic. And speaking of that, with the Nationals, Juan Soto tested positive for COVID. And right. but he was tested on Tuesday. He didn't get his results back till Thursday morning and the Nationals even though they didn't have his results let him play in that game, be around his teammates, be around the Orioles, be around the umpires. What is your take on the handling of that? Why would the Nationals let anybody who tested but didn't get results back set foot on the field? Well, to that point, he had not tested positive, even though he was tested at that point. Uh, and he was actually kept out of uh, several of the workouts just as a precaution. Uh, but my my way of looking at it was that you know they they found out on Thursday, so obviously you have to test positive. I'm sorry, you have to test negative uh, two more times within I guess a 48 hour period before you begin and, and test negative before you're considered eligible to play. 
That said, right after the positive test on Thursday, he was given two uh, two different tests that were, you know, immediate, uh, both nasal and and saliva, and both of those came back negative. So, did he get a false positive? We'll have to, you know, I have no idea. Uh, but at least to this point, what's going to happen going forward is he has to test negative two more times within that short period of time before he's eligible to play again. So he has to test negative basically four times then because he, he tested negative twice. Well, yeah, but, but, but that was given. I mean, they knew even if he was negative after those two immediate tests on Thursday after he found out he was positive, that did not, uh, that did not make him eligible to play. It's okay. the Major League Baseball protocol. But I think the Nationals, too, were trying to get a handle on, well, you know, was was this a, a a false negative or or a false positive or or something else? But uh, that's I, I think they just wound up doing that uh, as a precaution to see where they were, and hopefully you know things. I mean he's asymptomatic, so I mean that's the good news about it. And you know so if they go back and they test according to major league protocol, then uh, you know after two two negative tests he'll be able to come back and play. Well, and, and hopefully for his sake, for health reasons, and for the Nationals' sake, for baseball reasons, that that is the case. Because I, I look at this Nationals team, Craig, and with Soto not being on, on in the lineup right now, with Zimmerman opting out, and they've lost Rendon, they lost Harper a year and a half ago, I don't see a lot of firepower in this lineup. And this is a Well, the Harper situation was a non-factor because... Right, right. They, they they wind up winning a World Series last year. <laughs> well, absolutely, and and you're right. But my, to, my my point is that they don't have right now with without Soto, they don't have that guy in the lineup that scares you. Trey Turner's a nice player, but he's not Juan Soto. He's not Bryce Harper. Oh, he's not Juan Soto. But he and Adam Eaton set the table for the guys in the middle of that lineup. Now, granted, you don't have Soto, but you do have Eric Thames. You do have uh, Howie Kendrick. Uh, and as Drupal Cabrera can certainly produce for you, uh, Suzuki and Gomes later on down in the lineup. I mean, Suzuki's always been kind of a kind of a, a productive hitter uh, throughout his career. So, and and you know, here, here, Juan Gomes, a former All Star with the Indians. So, I mean, I think there's enough to get it done and tread water there. They ran into a buzzsaw and Garrett Cole last night. Oh yeah, uh, because after Giancarlo Stanton hit the home run. Uh, to give the Yanks a two nothing lead off Max Scherzer, uh, Eaton came back and got one against Cole in the first inning. The problem was after that, uh, the Nationals did did not manage a hit against Cole the rest of the way through his five innings. Well, I, absolutely, you're right, and you know, you mentioned Max Scherzer. He, I, I was saying to Stan a little bit earlier. He looked like himself, but didn't look like himself. You you like to see the eleven strikeouts, but that monster home run he gave up six hits, four runs in in five innings. Technically, he got himself a complete game in a range shortened five inning affair. But uh, what are you seeing from this rotation? Just uh, now, look, the, the season's a, a day old. I get I get that. Um, but what do you think we're going to see from this rotation? Do they have enough with their rotation that they can make up for maybe a little bit of shortcomings in that lineup to the point where they can go back and potentially repeat? Well, I think they're going to have to, uh, at least in the beginning. Uh, but, you know, they're going to throw four guys out there who are quite capable of shutting teams down. And the World Series MVP goes tonight uh, in, in Steven Strasburg. So we'll see 
how he handles this tonight. He'll be going against the lefty, James Paxson. I think uh, you probably see uh, a couple more right-handed hitters in the lineup tonight for, for uh, Dave Martinez. But, uh, you know, Max, Max when, when he gets in trouble, like he did last night early on, it's usually a bad pitch here or there. Uh, but the 11 strikeouts and, you know, uh, that, that's kind of what you expect out of him. Right. But, uh, you know, last night, the bottom of the order for the Yankees gave him the most trouble. He, you know, Urshela walked, uh, uh, the number nine hitter walked as well. Uh, so, I mean, they both scored, and you can't be doing that. Uh, he did walk four last night while striking out 11, but... Uh, I mean, uh, but the last thing I'm going to sit here and do is worry about Max Scherzer. Oh no! And the guy—if you can pick a pitch, a pitcher who's lived up to a monster contract, it's Max Scherzer. He's he's earned every oh. penny of that contract, and then yeah. Anyway, and when you look at it, that was uh, seven years for 252 million, right? And I and I would say he's lived up to every bit of that. <laughs> oh, oh, a- absolutely. I don't I don't think that anybody regrets that deal, and. He's Max Scherzer. He's the baddest man on the planet, as far as I'm concerned right now. So uh, I have complete faith in that Nationals rotation, not so much in their lineup. But, hey, 16 teams in the playoffs this year, so the Nationals, they're going to be there, in my opinion. They're going to be in the playoffs. I I think they stand a a very good chance, considering that each division will have their top two teams uh, going, and then – you know the the two teams after that with the best record, and uh, so, so it's it's going to be very interesting. I'm kind of glad in this scenario, with only being 60 games, that the wild card game is eliminated with it. Me too. Uh, and, and and that first is that that first series is actually going to be a, a series. So that that I think is a little bit more fair minded. So. Uh, in my, in my uh, again, opinion, again, again, we'll wait and see. But you know, when you can throw, when you can throw the guys that they can throw out there, uh, and and then have Hudson and Doolittle at the back end, and they'll they'll get Wander Suero back eventually, and Rowan Elias back. Uh, I think the bullpen will stabilize a little bit. You know, the only problem is with the sixty game schedule, you're looking at you don't want to dig yourself a hole that you can't get out of, which means. Every game is very important. If you had to to predict the Nationals' final record at the end of the sixty game sprint, uh, do you do you have a final number for us? Uh, I think they win probably in the vicinity of about thirty six games, thirty seven games. That'll definitely get you in the playoffs, one hundred percent. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Now, with with that being said. 36 wins, does that win the National League East, or do you think there's going to there's gonna be a team to top? Well, no, I, you know, it's funny. Mark Zuckerman uh, uh, from MassInSports.com always puts out his uh, questionnaire, if you will, or your prediction page for all the people that cover the team on a regular basis. And and I, I, I picked the Braves to win the division. I had the Nationals finishing second, uh, and I, I still feel that way. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I, I just think the Braves are a really good team. I think the Nationals are a good team. Uh, you know, the Marlins should finish at the bottom of, of, of the division. Uh, the Mets and the Phillies, 3-4. You can swap those in any in any way you want. 
because I think both teams really, I mean, you, you know, the Mets starting pitching is pretty decent, obviously, with DeGrom and, 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 and that crew, but I think their bullpen uh, can be had. Uh, so, uh, again, it's, it's going to be, in my opinion, who stays the healthiest uh, for the longest period of time. And keep in mind, later on during this uh, season, that 36 or that 30 man roster gets trimmed down to 26. So uh, that'll be another interesting thing to see what kind of transactions are made uh, as you get like two thirds of the way through the season. Absolutely. And we are coming to you with the bat around from the live casino hotel studio. We have Craig Heist on the line right now talking Nationals baseball with us. Craig, Nationals are defending world champions. Uh, do you think that they're going to repeat this year, or is there another team that you see uh, hoisting that trophy at the end of the season? Well, again, I think it, I mean, you looked at last year, and yeah, they had 162 last year, but they were 19 and 31 on on May the 23rd, I guess it was, yeah. and then they, they were the, probably one of the two top teams in baseball the rest of the way, and they wound up getting into the postseason where anything can happen, and you think about the one thing that carried the carried them through was their pitching, and for a bullpen that was much aligned, maligned last year in the postseason, they used a lot of their starters in bullpen roles, you know, uh, you think about the wild card game, they scored three in the eighth to take a 4-3 lead and win that game. You think about the Dodgers series, and you go all the way to game five, and Soto and Rendon, or Rendon and Soto, hit back-to-back home runs to tie the game. Howie Kendrick in the 10th with the grand slam to win it. It was a sweep against the Cardinals, but then, you know, a very tough seven-game series to win the World Series uh, against the Astros, in which no team won on their home field, which is just amazing to me. But if you take a look and analyze it with the amount of two-out runs that this team scored from the seventh inning on in pretty much all those games, uh, except the three at you know, except the three at Nats Park during the World Series. I mean, you know, what is it? Clutch hitting? Is it luck? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, but give them a lot of credit. So, I mean, you got to be good. You got to be lucky. And whether that carries them, I mean, can they win it again? Sure, they can win it again. But I think there's a handful of teams out there capable of, of running the table once the postseason gets here. Uh, I agree with you. My, my my pick out of the National League and probably for the World Series champions is the Dodgers. I think they're just too good on paper and on the field. Uh, I'm sorry, who was that? The Dodgers. The, uh, okay. I, I think they're just too good to be stopped right now. That's that's the best roster I think maybe I've ever well, seen. Well, that that may that well may be true. However, uh, a lot of people have thought about that uh, about that now. team the last few years, mm-hmm. and Dave Roberts hasn't been able to push him over the hump. Well, and and speaking of, and we got to let you go here in a minute. But speaking of Dave Roberts, if he doesn't get that team, that roster, a World Series ring, do you think his job is on the line? I don't think so, only because it's a 60-game season. I think it's a tough, I think it's really tough to judge anybody in this season uh, when, when, because this is really the opposite of what normally it is. This is a sprint and not a marathon. <laughs> so I, I know you hate to, to, to use that cliche, but uh, it's a, cliche a lot for of it a is true. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Well, hey, Craig, thanks so much for joining the Thank show, you, man. Craig. Hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon. Really appreciate you coming on today. Not a problem. Take care, guys. All right, man. Take care. All right. So, Craig, always a great guy to talk to. I, I had so much fun with Craig when he was in the studio when I started producing this show back in December through March. Really great guy to have on the program. Knows a lot about a lot. He, he knows a lot of college basketball, college football. He knows the Nationals. He knows the Orioles. Great guest to have on the show. I look forward to talking to him again soon. Uh, and I'll tell you, man, a two-hour show, it, it, I'm having a great time. It's not easy so to do. And, you know, you look at Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer. They do a two-hour show Monday through Friday every week. They took no time off from uh, from their show during this pandemic. And, again, that's every Monday through Friday. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer bring their pragmatic and irreverent approach to Baltimore sports. Via Pressbox is Glenn Clark Radio. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, WNBA star uh, Angel... Oh my gosh, I'm going to butcher this name. Angel McCautry, uh, Orioles, Orioles pitcher Isaac Matson, and former NFL coaches Jim Fossil and Mike Tice were among the guests. For, uh, find those interviews today in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review at PressBoxOnline.com. I've been on the show a couple times with Glenn and Kyle. They do an excellent job uh, from the live casino hotel studio just like us. Uh, so tune into those guys Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. To, to 12, and then you can always look at their archives, or as Kyle says, the archives. All right, guys, uh, just like before, we're going to pay a few bills. Then when we come back, we're going to go around the league with the payoff pitch around the league to do some out-of-town scores. And then we're going to have Eric Arditi on the line to talk to us about baseball, Mo Gabba, Trey Mancini, and more. Baltimore's favorite bar, Sliders Bar and Grill, is now open. Just across the street from Camden Yards, Sliders is open, and they've added new menu items, new frozen cocktails, and new 32-ounce beers. If you're not ready to go out just yet, you can still order from Sliders' carryout menu, and they still have liter bottles of hand sanitizer available for just $15. Call 443-835-0906 or 410-547-8891 or visit slidersbaltimore.com. We'll see you this summer at Sliders. If it's happening in Baltimore sports and beyond, it's happening on Glenn Clark Radio. New Ravens linebacker Patrick Queen. Appreciate it, uh, Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Glad to be back on. Ravens linebacker Matt Judon. Appreciate it, y'all. How y'all doing? Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Coach Mark Turgeon. How you guys doing? Heston Kerstad. Thanks for having me. Joe Burrow. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Coach Mike Loxley. Thanks for having me on. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. Dickie V, Dick Vitale. Kyle, too diaper dandy. What's up, fellas? Hey, what's going on, Ed? Glenn and Kyle are live Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon, and archived anytime. Watch Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Ahoy, mateys. It's Royal Farms Chicken Palooza 3, a bounty of Royal Farms Chicken Delights. Ah, Chicken Delights, Chicken Delights. Get a two-piece chicken box with a portion of each sale benefiting the Johns Hopkins Children's Center or the all-new, hand-breaded, crispy on the outside, tender on the inside, world-famous chicken sandwich, the Royal, for just five bucks. Just five bucks. Quiet, birdie. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Glory Days Grill's summer seasonal menu is now available for dine-in, dine-out on the patio, or to-go. It's a new season, so enjoy new flavors. Try their new knockout shrimp or the delicious lobster roll with grilled corn made with real Maine lobster. They're open from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day. Visit glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you. From the Glory Days Grill family, stay healthy and stay positive during this challenging time in our community. All right, and we are back here on the Batter Round with Paul Valley and my co-host Vasilios Nicolau. What up, what up? Uh, and before we get Eric Arditi on the line, we're just going to do a segment that I call the payoff pitch around the league. The payoff pitch, of course, uh, alludes to my former podcast that I used to do. Apparently, I just have a hard time of letting things go. Uh, it was a great show. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. You were a guest on it last so year, which I appreciated. Uh, yeah, my um, my fiance tells me that I hold on to too many things for nostalgia, uh, and the payoff pitch is one of those ones that I'm going to clutch to like grim death. So uh, bear with me if I don't let go of that name too soon. So anyway, the payoff pitch around the league, out of town scoreboard for you here today. Uh, you look at the scores from last night. The St. Louis Cardinals defeated the Pittsburgh Pirates 5-4 to four as the team hit three home runs to back seven strong innings from Jack Flaherty. Max Kepler homered twice as the Twins beat the White Sox 10-5. to five. This game was a hard luck one. Herman Marquez took a no-hitter into the sixth inning but took that loss as an RBI double by Rufnet Odor led the Rangers to a 1-0 victory over the Rockies. Shane Bieber, we talked about him a little bit earlier with Stan, struck out 14. Royals batters over six innings as Cleveland defeated the Kansas City Royals two to nothing yesterday. Kyle Hendricks he went to distance a three hit shutout as the Cubs blanked the Brewers three to nothing. Orlando Arcia the Milwaukee nine hole hitter collected all three hits for the Brewers yesterday. So the rest of that lineup was took an over, including former MVP Christian Yelich. Didi Gregorius in his first game with the Phillies went deep had two hits in that game. But the Marlins behind Jesus Aguilar, who was in his first game with the Marlins, behind his two-run homer, uh, took the win over the Phillies 5-2. You look at Kevin Biggio with a three-run shot for the Blue Jays to lead the Blue Jays to a 6-4 victory over the Rays, who stranded the bases loaded down two in the eighth inning yesterday. A brutal circumstance for them. Mike Mustanis and Nick Castellanos combined for four hits and five RBIs in their Reds debut, and Sonny Gray goes six strong with nine Ks to beat Detroit 7-1. to one. Jacob DeGrom, former Cy Young Award winner, he picks up where he left off with five innings of one-hit ball, and Yoena Cespedes, he hits his first home run since 2018, a guy I picked up in the 19th round of our fantasy baseball draft. Uh, provided all the scoring with that home run as the Mets hold off the Braves one to nothing. Eric Hosmer... Three hits, six RBIs to pace the offense for the Padres as they beat the D-backs 7-2. to two. The D-backs, folks, not the D-bags, the D-backs 7-2. to two. <laughs> Kyle Lewis, a top prospect for the Mariners, hit a 438-foot home run in the second inning that re- registered 111 miles per hour exit velocity off the bat off of Justin Verlander. But the Astros use a five-run fifth inning highlighted by a Michael Brantley three-run homer to lead Houston to an 8-2 win over the Mariners for their Major League Best eighth straight opening day victory. And Mookie Betts collected his first Dodgers RBI, and Max Muncy contributed two home runs as the Dodgers improved to 2-0 with a 9-1 victory over their hated rival San Francisco Giants. And finally, the late game that I fell asleep for literally a minute before it happened, 
Matt Olson picked up a great time uh, for his for his first home run of the season as his tenth inning grand slam walked off the Angels in the Athletics seven to three win. Uh, <laughs> you know, and that Ramon Laureano had himself a hell of a game yesterday. He homered. Uh, then they were down two to one, and then he doubled in the tying run, scored the go-ahead run before Liam Hendricks came in and gave up a, a t- game-tying home run in the uh, ninth inning to Jason Castro, the catcher of all people, the guy who hits like 218 every year, hits a game-tying home run in the ninth inning. So we saw extra innings for the first time in this Major League season last night, and they put Shohei Otani on uh, second base to start the 10th inning, and there was a ground ball to first, and Matt Olson, a heads-up play, throws to third. Otani looked shocked. He had no inclination that this guy was going to throw over to third base. He gets tagged out. The Angels don't score, and then the Athletics use that second man to their that man on second base to their advantage. They end up loading the bases, and Matt Olson, as we said, walked him off with a great with a grand slam. Hell of a game to cap a hell of an opening day. Man, all the, all those games yesterday were just incredible, and I mean, I I obviously had to watch most just the Orioles due to my job, but. Uh, it was it was a blast to to have baseball back for the first full day of Major League Baseball, and of course we're gonna have some games going today, starting at one o five. So I'm gonna give the quick rundown of our games today. We have the Milwaukee Brewers taking on the Chicago Cubs at one o five p.m. The next game, Baltimore still taking on the Boston Red Sox at one thirty five p.m. The Minnesota Twins taking on the Chicago White Sox at two ten. The Pittsburgh Pirates taking on the St. Louis Cardinals at 2.15. The Toronto Blue Jays taking on the Tampa Bay Rays at 3.10. The Colorado Rockies taking on the Texas Rangers at 4.05. The Miami Marlins taking on the Philadelphia Phillies at 4.05. The LA Angels going up against the Athletics again, 4.10. Atlanta Braves taking on the New York Mets at 4.10. Giants taking on the Dodgers at 4.10. Seattle taking on Houston at 410. Kansas City taking on Cleveland at 510. Detroit Detroit against Cincinnati at 510. The Yankees against the Nationals at 715. And the night cap tonight, the Arizona Diamondbacks against the San Diego Padres at 910. Well, it's, it's a full slate of games today. Something uh, a lot of TV watch. I'm off the rest of the day, so I'm excited to, to We're watch these games. Yeah, I'm excited to watch some baseball literally all day. I have a buddy joining me at the house. I got a new TV that I'm installing today. A nice, uh, it's, it's small, but so is my basement. It's a 55 inch uh, Vizio 4, uh, 4K TV. Yeah, no, I, I, I like it. You know, Laura may have been a little upset with me for buying it, but it, <laughs> I got it I got it on an exceptional deal. Uh, but speaking of exceptional deals, it's always a deal when we get Eric Arditi into the studio to talk to us today. Ooh, He's not in segment. studio, but he is on the line. Eric, how are you, man? What's going on, Paul? What's going on, V? How are you guys doing? Good, man. Good to hear from you. Yeah, we're just uh, motoring along here. I've used three different adjectives to describe how we're moving along in this show. In this show. Uh, Eric, glad to have you on the program. Um, how are you feeling after that loss last night? Uh, well, you know, obviously it takes some of the, the wind out of your sails after that first two innings. Um, you know, I mean, the Tommy Malone experience was great for like an hour. <laughs> and then we kind of realized that he's Tommy Malone. Um, you know, I mean, I don't think anyone thought he was going seven, seven, you know, shut out with, with 10 Ks or anything. But, but like I said, I mean, those, those first two innings, it was fun to be jazzed up like that again. But then everything kind of came crashing down, back down. And, 
that's kind of what I expect. I mean, I didn't expect them to lose, you know, by 11, but I didn't think they would win. Um, and, you know, I mean, I'm already, I was already having people complain to me, like, these bums swing at everything. This is the same old team. And it's like, dude, ch- oh, that's, chill that's, out, man. That's like, the Baltimore no. sports mentality, man. You, you ought to watch a game with my dad. <laughs> I mean, it was, like you said, like this, I, you know, some guy I was going back and forth with was just like, that's the worst game I've ever seen. And really? I've never seen them swing at so many first pitches and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, it's literally game one. They played for two and a half <laughs> hours. Like, again, it, I don't know what you expected coming into the year, but, I, you know, I didn't expect them to be, you know, to, to, to be very competitive. So, it's kind of the norm. That's what I expect. You know, it's, it's, it's what I kind of thought was going to happen. Well, and then you look. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, Vasilis. You wanted to say something, and I cut you off. I did that twice earlier. I apologize. Go it's ahead, buddy. buddy. No, uh, no, Eric. I think the biggest plot twist last night was your series of Tommy Malone quoted tweets, and then once we finally saw Tommy Malone start to implode in the third inning. Uh, you ended that series of tweets with Tommy Malone question mark. So yeah, uh, <laughs> it was. Uh... You know, it started out, I think, you know, just uppercase T, uppercase M, and then, you know, a couple strikeouts later, we were doing all uppercases, and then, you know, after two doubles, it was all lowercases, and then it, and then the question mark was kind of the uh, the, uh, the the final one. It was kind of a Tommy Malone, I think. So, yeah, that, I, I felt that was appropriate. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, those uh, those four doubles in that third inning, it just looked like the first double on on repeat. They they all landed in the exact same spot. Yeah. I, I I've I've seen four home runs in a row. I've never seen four doubles landing in the exact same spot in the same yeah. inning. Yeah, and again, like it was almost like, am, am I like, did I sit on the remote? Did I rewind it ten minutes? Like, what's going on? Why am I why am I watching the same at bat? And then it's like, oh nope, the the ball just literally got placed right the you know the same place it was the last three times it got hit. So yeah, that was and I, I mean you know credit to the Red Sox. I think that's just goes to show i mean again they always have you know a really good lineup and and some really good hitters and even without mookie i mean we saw last night they can put up 13 i was just i was not shocked but i mean it's crazy that that again they lost mookie they still have jd hitting two and the guy hit i mean you know a billion home runs last year like that that lineup they're they're going to be good they're going to be able to hit well yeah what it really is going to come down to for the red sox and we discussed this at length a little bit earlier in the show is they're starting pitching. Do they have enough starting pitching? Because when Nathan Navaldi is your opening day starter, and then you have Martin Perez going in game two, uh, and then Ryan Weber, I believe is his name, going in game three, it doesn't bode well for your season. Now, the, the, we do have expanded playoffs, 16 teams. Do the Red Sox have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs, or is it just that they beat up on a bad team last night? Um, I, I mean, would it shock me if the Red Sox, you know, again, made, made the playoffs with this expanded field? Probably not. Um, cause like I said, I mean, like I was just saying, they can hit and, and like you guys have, you know, been saying it's the pitching. And I, I just read a couple of minutes ago. I, I don't know if I missed it yesterday, but I guess, um, um, Eduardo Rodriguez, I guess is having some heart issues due to, you know, the, the, his battle with, with Corona and COVID-19. Um, so that throws, you know, a, a huge wrench into the piece. The guy won 19 games last year. Oh yeah. With a sub and, and, and again, I don't know if I missed that, if it was news from this week or from yesterday, but I, I was kind of taken back and that that's one of those like oh man this is this is a big thing you know that, that that's a big loss for them and it's, it's that's when it also gets into this isn't a sports thing anymore it's if this guy is going to be able to live a normal life and compete you know just just live a normal life for, for the rest of the time um but yeah i mean that, that that obviously factors in and yeah i mean 
Nathan Eovaldi, that's that's great. Again, he he will mow down the Orioles. It's going to happen. But I don't know what's going to happen again with this this weird schedule. What's going to happen when they go to DC or when you know the Yankees come there? I mean, he, again, like I said, Eovaldi looked great last night. I started him in fantasy. It's not a big deal. Um, great call by me. Picked up Martin Perez today too. Um, but you know, can, can he do it against those those big teams? And again, no one is no one is afraid of Martin Perez or Ryan Weber or you know whoever else these guys are throwing out. Um, but if they do sneak in. I, I can see it. I wouldn't be shocked if you fast forward at sixty days and and they're in the playoffs. Um, you know, I don't I don't think that they're going to be counted on as one of those teams that's going to take down, you know, the Astros or the Yankees or someone like that. Well, yeah, and it's it, it's it's hard to gauge because, like we said, the the Orioles are they're predicted to be the worst team in baseball this year. You have one jackass on ESPN, Sam Miller, who said they won't even win 10 games, which is a 167 winning percentage. And it's to me, to me, to say that about a Major League Baseball team... There was a use of jackass, by the way. Yeah, I had to throw it in there. It's, <laughs> it, it's completely, completely insulting to the players, the team, the fans, and the game of baseball to insinuate that a team can't win... 17% of their games. I mean, no team has ever had that bad of a winning percentage. Uh, do you see the Orioles being as bad as some of these prognosticators? I, look, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're going to be a sub-500 team, but they can get to 20 wins, right? I, I mean, I, I'd hope so. I, I, I mean, the only way that I see them not is, say, you know, a means injury lingers on and, and we get to the point where we're 35 or 40 games in and he hasn't played yet then it's like, okay, you shut him down. So obviously it takes him out of the equation. Right. I mean, and then all it takes is, you know, another Alex Cobb injury, say Renata Nunez goes down, or, or just one of those guys, Austin Hayes. If one of them go down, um, you know, it, it wouldn't shock me if they're setting or if they're on pace for, you know, record low win percentage and things like that. Um, I mean, I, I, I sure hope that they can get to 20 wins. And again, if they can't, um, it's it, it, it's going to be bad luck, and um, it, it was kind of weird for the guy on ESPN to, to you know, and, and and I get it. It's easy to pick on the Orioles. It's, it's so easy to pile and on. Everyone gets their laughs in, and it's but again, like you saying, like it's kind of I mean, it's low hanging fruit. Like yeah, we we get it, guys. Everyone everyone around the country, you know, Baltimore's a laughing stock. We get it. It's it's funny. Like you get your likes, you get your retweets, your things like that. But yeah, like you said, I mean, there are guys competing for jobs. There are guys who you know this may be their last year playing, and I'm sure they're not. They're not thrilled opening up the athletic or ESPN or anything like that. You know, just seeing everyone make fun of them. Well, yeah, and 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 that's the way it goes. And to me, there's no investigative journalism whatsoever from from these guys because I saw one publication when they they were doing a little blurb about each team. They had and like their power rankings, and they had for the Orioles, it's it's. It's too easy to just to just something along the lines of it's too easy to pick on the Orioles, so we're not going to write anything. And it's like well, the the fans that may, what if somebody read that entire thing, but their team is the Orioles, and they get to that and they read that piece of garbage that you put out on publication. It's to me, it's lazy journalism, it's shoddy journalism, and it's not doing your job. Yeah, and again, especially I mean, if it's one of these pay sites where you know if I'm paying whatever it is for the Athletic or or the Baltimore Sun or something. And like you said, I'm already baseball back. Let me read this preview, and then I get down to my team, and it's seven words saying, "Oh, it's too easy." Then it's like, "All right, well, well, you know, screw you guys too." Like, you know, maybe I'll cancel my subscription. Right. Um, and you know, I mean, we've seen it in the NFL with the Browns for a while. 
And, and like you said, it's like everyone has their original joke about how bad this team is and, and how, you know, it, it, you know, oh, well, they're playing. I've seen, oh, the Maryland, or, you know, the Orioles are going to play in the ACC this year. They're going to replace, you know, the Terps in the Big Ten and stuff like that. And again, it's like, like, like we've kind of just said, we, we get it, guys. It's funny. Get your ass off now. Um, but I mean, I always say it's just going to make, you know, 2022, 2023, and, you know, the years that they're competitive, it's just going to make it that much better. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I hope Michael Elias and Brandon Hyde and those guys have some of those, you know, you know, pin them up in the, in the, in the clubhouse, put them up in the, uh, the dugout, um, give us some bulletin board material. Absolutely, and we are coming from you, coming live to you from the Live Casino Hotel Studio. It's Paul Vasilios on the bat around here. We've got Eric Arditi of Barstool Sports joining us, and Eric, I say of Barstool Sports, and that has a bit of a stigma to it, and I hate to bring it up, man, because you're a friend of mine, and I don't want to put you in this position, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't. There's a bit of a scandal going around with Barstool right now. They had uh, the, the, um, the acronym for a podcast that made everybody look bad. Um, are you suffering any backlash from that? You're standing, you're standing strong with Barstool Sports. How are things going for you? How, how's that going for the company? Um, I mean, yeah, and like you said, it, it wasn't great. Um, it was, it was a high-profile disagreement argument between between two of the African American employees, Willie Colon, former Pittsburgh Steeler, um, Super Bowl champion, and Brandon Newman, one, one of the other guys um, who do a podcast um, with with Barstool. And they took offense, well, and rightfully so, with some things that Dave Portnoy, you know, Prez, um, had said in the past. And obviously, I don't condone using the words he said, the things, some of the things he said. It, it's disgusting. It's, it's, I mean, it, you know, kind of looks like a pig saying it. Um, it's not great. And, and, you know, they, they felt that it was, I, I they, it's their podcast and they, they, titled the podcast that name or you know the the word and and again it's theirs so they kind of have right to to do whatever they want um that and that's kind of where it comes down to how did you know how did barstool let even let them name it that and then if but then you kind of get into well if if they had asked them to change the name then it's they're censoring them and and you know it's so i i i knew once i saw it that it wasn't no one was going to come out of it looking good um, because again, you, you shouldn't. It's 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 a it's a word that that when David said it, it's something that we shouldn't say. Um, you know, white people should not be saying that word. Um, and he messed up, and he probably should have apologized better than he did. And, and and I think that's what pissed them off mostly was the half-assed apology, just saying, you know, he, he kind of did that. If I offended you, I'm sorry. And it's like, well, that's not great to say. So he was, you know, it's either like you apologize from the heart, or probably don't say anything. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was a rough couple couple weeks. I obviously, I mean, I had zero involvement in it. I, I didn't take any backlash. I had some people ask me about it, and it's like, hey, yeah, I don't listen to the podcast. I didn't listen to it. Um, again, I've never said the word. I'm not going to. I don't think, you know, Dave should have, and he should have apologized for for saying it and how he did it, and and just, I, I think the whole the whole thing could have definitely been avoided, and and it, it sucks that it wasn't. It, it like I said, that that's probably something that should happen in house. Um, but since Barstool is such a lightning rod and, and, you know, I mean, I mean, you can't turn on a TV now without seeing someone from Barstool, something from Barstool, a clip, can't get on the internet certainly without seeing them. So, I, I mean, once, like I said, once I saw it, I knew it was kind of going to be a big deal. And, and like I said, rightfully so, it should have, I mean, you know, they, they can't, we can't say that stuff. And, and 
it just it, it sucks that it that it happened. It really does suck, and I, you know I'm glad to hear that you didn't experience any kind of backlash from that because you know a lot of times people would just because you have you, you work for Barcel they make you guilty by association, and you know people in Baltimore know who Eric Arditi is, yep. and we know what you stand for, and that's never been more evident than in your work for Mo Gabba, the Orioles superfan, 14 years old, who's been dealt a really, really tough hand in life. And you have been there for this kid. You know, it gets me a little bit emotional because what you've done for this kid is so above and beyond the call of duty, man. You're like an angel on earth for Mo. And, you know, he's going through a really rough time. We're not sure how much time he has left, not to put it out there like that. But, you know, talk to us a little bit about what you've done for Mo, about the kid himself, and, you know, how that's been for you seeing him go through all of this. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's been tough. It's, and like I said, I, I've kind of, I kind of adopted, I'm not even like sure how to really say this. I, I wanted to start helping Mo just listening to the radio, you know, I mean, I remember in 2014 when he was calling in and I was listening, I was just a fan of Scott and Jeremy and I was listening to them and I would hear Mo call in and, and then, you know, I kind of learned about his story like everyone else did. And, and, I, I'm buddies with Johnny Minadakis, uh, owner of Jimmy's Famous Seafood, and and you know we talk a lot, and he always kind of tells me, you know, it's it's nice to be nice, and and that right. kind of just the last couple months, that's kind of you know, I, I've just been repeating that over and over. It's nice to be nice, um, and so again, it's like you know, I kind of I grew closer with Jeremy, became friends with Mo. You know, we did a fundraiser for him at Jimmy's last year for the the season-ending Orioles party. Um, raised a bunch of money for them, and that's the first time I met him is when I went to visit him and his mom in the hospital. Um, I had been friends with her on Facebook and had chatted back and forth, but again, had never met them or anything. Um, and then ever ever since then, I mean, I'm I'm so so lucky to just call Jeremy Khan a friend, you know, Mo and Sanzi Gaba, um, just being able to again call them friends. I went from being fans of theirs to being friends of theirs, and and that's just amazing to me. Um, and yeah, just, just, I just, again, I have a brother with special needs, so I know, you know, it, it, everyone has not dealt the same hand we are, you know, and it right. sucks. And, right. and, yeah. and like we've all seen the last couple of weeks, um, th- no, I mean, I had never seen anyone rally a city, a town, you know, with sports teams, with athletes, with actors, the way that Mo has. And, and it's, it's amazing. I mean, the amount of people that showed up at the parade. You know, I mean, every every day I'm, I'm getting texts or DMs or, or, you know, Facebook messages about him. And, and like you were saying, <clears throat> you know, he's not, we're, you know, the news this week has, hasn't been great. Um, I saw him Tuesday. I think he got rushed to the ER Monday night. Um, I texted his mom first thing in the morning on Tuesday when I saw it and said, you know, leave the door unlocked. I'm coming over with dinner tonight. Just, just you know, I'll tell you when I'm getting there. So saw him, you know, he wasn't doing that great. He apologized for not watching the Orioles-Nats uh, scrimmage the night before. He said, I wanted to, but I was tired, and then I didn't feel well. Which, again, is just like a 14-year-old battling cancer for the, you know, fourth, fifth time should not be apologizing for missing an Orioles game. He's really just, um, he's just such an incredible kid, man. And, and, and his, his outlook, he's more worried about his mom than he is himself. His, his outlook on this whole thing, the strength that he showed through all of this, I don't think I could have done it. He's really incredible. Absolutely. And and like you said, I mean, from listening to him, you know, every video, every every radio appearance, you, you never know anything is wrong. You never know that he's he's probably having the worst day of his life and, and he will never 
ever like let you hear about it. I was there for two and a half hours, I think, last week, and we played video games. He, he stayed in his bed the entire time, um, and we just played video games. And I could tell he's coughing a lot. Um, you know, he's on an oxygen machine, and you can tell that he's he is in pain and he doesn't feel well. But every time, you know, how you feeling? I I feel great. I feel good. I feel you know I'm a little tired, but I feel good. And again, it's just like. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to worry people, and especially his mom. You know, he just he's he's and that you know he had said something to her about how he was just worried. You know, if something happens, you know what's going to happen to my friends? They're they're going to miss me. They're going to be lonely and stuff like that. And again, that's that's not something a fourteen year old should ever have to think about. And and it just I and mean, he you know we we say it all the time. He's an old soul. Like he's not, he's not like any, and I don't know many 14 year olds. He's not like many 14 year olds I've ever met. Um, he's just, I mean, he's, he's just great, you know? And I don't even know if you saw this morning, I wake up, I got a text at 2 AM from a PT. who's uh, one of the Orioles clubhouse guys. And it's a video message from Manny Machado. Oh, that's so I, awesome. you know, that sent that cool. over to Moe's mom this morning and, and stuff like that. So um, again, I mean, it's, and I, I know, you know, there's some, some other stuff planned for him in the next couple of weeks. Um, and we're kind of just hoping that, you know, he's, he's able to see it. And, and again, just kind of know that how much we all care about him and love him. Yeah. One, one of my, one of the things I was, I was uh, happy enough to do was a few weeks ago when, when Mo was having his, his graduation parade and we had, we had Jerry Sandusky, the WBAL TV sports anchor and sports director, uh, he was out there doing interviews with Mo and and Sanzi, and one of the things that Sanzi was talking about is that it's kind of in, kind of in the same vein of what we've been talking about. That he's worried about the others around him, but most of all, he's worried about his mom. He's he's not, he's not worried about himself. Like if, if he's worried that if he's gone, what's going to happen to his mom? And that that hit me really hard when I was putting that together, and that brought a tear to my eye while I was getting that getting that package edited and. Uh, I had the chance to call in to, to Mo's radio show a couple weeks ago, and that that was that was great. And it was the first time I've actually had the chance to to talk to him and tell him how much he means to the city. So uh, it was a blast for me. Yeah, that, and I mean, I remember the the package you guys put together with Jerry, and I even remember messaging you, you know, after just saying like, Jesus, like that that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the radio show was unbelievable, and I know I've, I'm hanging out at the house one day and, and Jeremy calls me and he goes, dude, you know, he goes, I don't know how we didn't think of this. He goes, we're going to give Moe his own show. We're going to call it the big Mo show. And he's like, we should have done this months ago. Like, I don't know how, I, you know, how I didn't think about it. And, and it was just great because I mean, right away I pulled out my phone. I texted anyone I could, you know, Hey, um, you know, do you know anyone who could get this WWE guy? Do you know anyone who could get this guy? Um, and kind of just explain it to him. And, and again, just seeing people say, absolutely tell me what you need tell me what time give me a phone number and 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 we'll make it work um again i mean it just it just goes to show the impact that that this kid's had and and it's it's, i mean it's just crazy because like you you know you talk to him and he thinks he's a normal kid and i'm like mo i said i you know i gotta work and there are people who are asking like you know the mo like that mo of course yeah yeah i know and i get i mean he's just in shock that people He's in shock that he has fans, and I'm like, buddy, you you got fan clubs. You don't just have fans. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's you know, and I get it, the last couple of weeks just with him, and obviously it's it's you know we we wish he was in a better time in his life, but just being able to be there with him, his mom, and 
at the parade, I, you know, I didn't want to be with them. I kind of took a step back and wanted to let them enjoy it. And just watching them, you know, with all the cars driving by, with old teachers, with principals, with their bus drivers, with the cafeteria people, with, you know, the Orioles and the Ravens people showing up. I mean, it was, it, and I've said the word a ton the last couple of weeks. It was, it was absolutely amazing. So it was, oh, it was just. Well, he's so cer- cool. He certainly is an amazing kid. You certainly are an amazing man for all that you do. I'm proud to know you, man. You know, Same. thank you so much for joining the show. We ran long today, but I think that anybody would understand run long when we're talking about Mo Gabba. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for joining the show, man. I can't wait to talk to you on, on here again in the near future. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. You, Absolutely, buddy. man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. We have to pay one more bill here, and then we're going to go to our third and final break, uh, and then we're going to come back. I'm turning the mic up way too much. I was going in the wrong direction. My bad, everybody. My bad. Um, we're going to come back, and we're going to close the show with our segment, Take to Rake. Uh, but before that, the latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 25th anniversary of Cal Ripken breaking Lou Gehrig's consecutive games record and the unique 19 minutes of silence ESPN's Chris Berman spent while the celebration unfolded. Bill O'Dean spoke to both Berman and Ripken about the incredible moment. Also inside, Ken Zalas offers his fantasy football draft guide and much more. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That's PressBoxOnline.com. Got to get a break. We'll come back and close the show with Take Two Rake. If you're looking to make an impact, there's no better place to do that than the U.S. Army. Whether your goal is to fight and cure deadly diseases, develop technologies, or seek adventures across the globe, the Army is where all of that can happen, and so much more. The Army is a team of a million individuals working together to take on the most complex problems in the nation and the world, and to win. Ask yourself, what's your warrior? Go to army.com slash Baltimore to find out. To learn more, contact your local Army recruiter and find us on social media at U.S. Army Baltimore. Are you hungry? Well, sail over to Royal Farms for Chicken Palooza 3 and get your hooks on a two-piece world-famous chicken box with a portion of each sale benefiting the Johns Hopkins Children's Center or the all-new hand-breaded crispy on the outside, tender on the inside, world-famous chicken sandwich, the Royal, for just five bucks. Shiver me tenders. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Glory Days Grill's summer seasonal menu is now available for dine-in, dine-out on the patio, or to-go. It's a new season, so enjoy new flavors. Try their new knockout shrimp or the delicious lobster roll with grilled corn made with real Maine lobster. They're open from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day. Visit glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you. From the Glory Days Grill family, stay healthy and stay positive during this challenging time in our community. The biggest pro wrestling star Stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Brett the Hitman Hart. It's good to be on the show. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. Broken Matt Hardy. Excellent. The bad guy, Scott Hall. Mm, hey, yo. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Let's no. have Yo! 
Chris Jericho, Le Champion, AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. All right, and we're back in the live casino hotel studio for the battle round. I'm Paul Valley. This is Vasilius co-hosting the show. And guys, you know, I apologize. We ran a little bit long today. Um, Stan was on for for a while, and then we weren't going to cut off Eric Arditi talking about Mo Gabba. We just weren't going to do it. No. So, um, and you know, we love talking baseball. So if we run over by ten minutes, we run over by ten minutes. We'll try and get it better next week. Um, so we do have one last segment that we're going to do before we close out the show. We'll try and do it quickly. We know you have the rest of your Saturday to fill up. The Orioles lineup has been announced. I'm going to read it to you. Yes. And then we're going to pick who we take to rake tonight, today. So for the Orioles, we have Austin Hayes leading off playing center field. Hanser Alberto batting second, playing second. Jose Iglesias batting third, playing shortstop. Anthony Santander batting fourth. Uh, I believe he is playing left field. Uh, batting fifth, Renato Nunez. He is your designated hitter. Batting sixth, Pedro Severino behind the dish. Chris Davis batting seventh, playing first base. Pat Vileka getting his first start of the year in the second game. Batting eighth, playing third base. And Cedric Mullins, the opening day surprise outfielder, uh, getting his first start in right field and batting ninth. So, Vasilios, with that information, I'm going to let you go first. I'll go first next week, but since you know you're helping me out, you go first today. Who are you going to take to rake? Give me Pedro Severino. Pedro Severino, I like it. I picked him for Dong City with Eric Arditi uh, last night. He got hit in the walk. No home runs, though. So you're going Pedro Severino. We're going to mark it down. I'm looking at this lineup. I believe they're facing a righty. So I'm going to take Chris Davis. He was so mad after that strikeout yesterday. I think he's going deep today. The crusher. Oh, God. Oh, (laughs) my God. Laura told me last night if she hears the crusher one more time, she's going to lose her mind. So hopefully hopefully she stopped listening at noon because she thought the show was over. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm taking Chris Davis. He's my take to rake today. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the Bat Around for my first show as the every week host. Thank you, Vasilios, for joining me in studio. He's going to be back next week and for the foreseeable future here. Thanks, man. Uh, It's been a fun show. Thank you to our guests, Stan Charles, Craig Heiss, Matt Pine, and Eric Arditi. Great show. Great way to start off the Bat Around 2.0 here. Um, And, hey, we're going to get back at you talking some more Orioles and Nationals and Major League Baseball next Saturday. Until then, we'll see you next time. Adios.